0: Now they can see you, Mr. Kronos. Uh, we are live. Everyone is watching. Shout out all the people who stuck with us. Y'all are wonderful. All of you, thank you, on the Twitch world. Well, Mr. Kronos, welcome to Bridge the Gap. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and this is basically the show where we talk to super interesting people, such as yourself, and we walk through your life and we learn about you, extracting knowledge nuggets from your experience. So in order to set off the journey right it's it's a little bit important for you to let us know where you come from in like the beginning parts of your life
1: i love move this camera a little bit there we go um well my, my, my name is justin i go by the name of kronos in my music so um i mean i came from, from obviously new mexico i've spent my first 21 years of life there doing a little bit of everything i'm, I'm a hobbyist i like I like doing. I like doing things. I like getting out, moving, doing things. I've raced motocross. I played baseball my whole life. Oh,
0: football, go, basketball. Run through that proper trust. So what's important yeah. is that we start the story in New Mexico. Now, I have a little bit of a token opening question. I like to drop. I guess the ball a little bit rolling it involves my girlfriend. So it's a little bit of a story. When it lands, you can kind of take it in whatever direction, and we're gonna start exploring uh, your life a little bit. So as my starts with my girlfriend. She's washing the dishes. She's got her phone out. And she's playing that black Eyed piece on the, I got a feeling. Woo-woo. She's, like, bopping around. And she's, like, dancing. And she's, like, doing her thing. And I'm thinking about it, right? Like, yo, this song is now, like, dishes music. That's, like, chores music. That's, like, the exercise music. And I'm thinking about this song, right? Because I remember vividly 10 years in my past when this was, like, the club music this was like the hot song at three in the morning that had us all jumping in circles super drunk and stuff and i'm like wait a second once upon a time it's club music now it's dishes music and that was like this big like epiphany for me about how a single song can travel throughout your life with you and evolve its purpose and its role in your life so it starts off in a place And then it basically ends up in this whole new destination that you repurpose it. So it's like, yo, once upon a time, that's the club. Now when you want to go back to the club for the boring, you put on the same music. Um, So it's like, yo, if you think about all the kids partying to Cardi B right now, the little ones, they have no idea that they're just going to be washing dishes to this shit one day. And then I found (laughs) out people's already washing dishes to Cardi B and all that because it's already chores music if you're old enough. So it made me realize like, that changes within us as we get older and repurpose how the music fits into our life and whatnot and so it's like we're all on these journeys with the music and it's always changing over time and the thing about these journeys is when we uh talk about them in most times we start off in that adolescent phase when we're forming our identity and we pick our first favorite everythings is etc etc but like that's not really like the start of the story right uh, if you think about music and sounds and everything it starts like right away like you come out and technically it starts you're already hearing things that are around you because of your environment so as an example like i can remember being like three five years old like real young and my dad has all these gray boxes the amplifier the radio the fucking tape deck and everything's got the wires attached to each other like linked up to the speakers and whatnot it'd take them like 20 minutes to set it up when we moved into the new place type thing and then i remember him busting the led zeppelin tapes and whatnot i remember at night it was the 90s techno music that was bumping around in the clubs i remember my mom's was a little less interesting with the discos and the musicals but that was also around all the time i heard that Grease soundtrack so much so many times um and then like just like one more like at christmas time we had like these EDM remixes to fucking Christmas Bangers and it was only ever played Christmas Day. So I guess with like all that as like a, a kind of like contact setter. I was hoping you could run us back to the youngest Cronus you can remember and tell us a little bit what it was like to sound like being you and keep in mind, I'm up in Montreal. I don't know fuck all about New Mexico. So you can like yeah. bring us back to when you're young, what it sounded like to be you, and we can kind of walk through a little bit growing up in New Mexico. But definitely start with you know the world of the music and whatnot in your very youngest ages.
1: Okay, well yeah, start, starting off with music. Um, I mean, it's kind of a real, real diverse eclectic of things that, that I listened to. Somehow, the first thing I guess I'll, I'll start off with me um, making hip hop, kind of what inspired me and what I enjoyed hip hop um, as. Now you a young at a youngest
0: how young is that?
1: Probably like eight years old, so seven, eight years
0: old. You'll run it back even earlier, when you were like eight. five. Like, what were your parents bumping?
1: When I was five, it was yeah, riding with my dad. I mean, he, he liked to he liked to hunt. Um, we'd go track. I mean, I'd go with them. We'd we'd go camping, hunting things like that, trekking through like the sand dunes and the desert in New Mexico. A bunch of small mesquite trees and mesquite bushes and things. Yeah, well, uh, he'd always listen to.
0: Y'all will go through the desert and shit?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because um, over here in New Mexico, I mean, not not like not like a, a cartoon where you're walking through the desert, desolate, there's nothing around, but kind of similar. I mean, there's a lot it's of sand of, dunes around it's here.
0: So like Breaking Bad is legit. That's what it looks oh, like.
1: Yeah. Bre- Bre- Breaking Bad is actually um, yeah, like four hours from where I grew up, four or five hours from where I grew up, and um, I've actually been to some of those places they like, have. We'll get to that later whenever I get through the story and down, down the left because that was fairly recent. But uh, yeah, whenever whenever I was younger, four, five, six years old, I remember riding riding an old Chevrolet pickup truck with my dad and going places with him, go hunt, shoot, camp, whatever. And um, he'd, he'd always jam out Leonard Skinner, Simple Man. So I always remember Simple Man and we'd listen to the greatest hits and the things like that. And that's what I, sticks out to the most remembering back there as far as a music setting
0: so like music wasn't the most prevalent focus in your life when you were really young
1: no not at all i mean it was more just kind of what i heard on the radio like when i was that young it was probably more like listening to like garth hearing garth books on the radio Um, my dad jamming leonard skinner my mom listened to kiss but i didn't find that out until later because she's a real real quiet person doesn't really she she don't really like listen to music even to that sort anymore it's more like kind of real vocal singing kind of more like gospel type stuff i guess nowadays
0: that's super nifty um everybody answers this question differently so some people are like full-on playing music by five and some people are like bro i didn't even give a shit till i was 23 so it's always just fun to bring it back but yo even with the hunting and the dunes and whatnot like that's just a whole different environment like than montreal's wannabe concrete jungle with trees um it's like new york with trees that's a good way to put it yeah (laughs) um but like what else were you up to when you were young before you got into music were you into drawing and stuff like what kind of extracurriculars does a little person in new mexico get up to really
1: extracurriculars for me ever since i mean ever since i was old enough to recollect anything has always been sports man i've always i mean i got into it young and i stuck with it my whole life even up until i mean recently i still play i mean not nothing serious but still do stuff but yeah back then it was starting out T-ball, baseball, football, basketball as as early as four or five years old. And, I mean, we'd go, go skiing. I learned how to ride um, a motorcycle with my dad whenever I was, like, six, seven years old, something like that, out there in the desert, kind of like um, de- desert racing and enduros and things, like climbing up mountains and stuff with a motorcycle and <laughs> going through big whoops and dunes and sweeping sand turns and things of the sort like that.
0: Are you doing that at, like, seven?
1: Yeah, yeah, I learned how to um, – I mean, I started out small with a little 80cc motorcycle riding through the sand. I didn't, I was probably about 11 or 12 until I started doing like enduro type, desert racing type things where actually a little more dangerous, but I'd go out there and like learn how to ride in the sand and things like that when my dad was like seven, eight years old.
0: No, that's seriously hype stills. I mean, just the idea that you had access to like a motorcycle under the age of 10, like that's like, you know, I'm from the kind of place where you go, well, driving licenses have age limits. <laughs> so it's like yeah. and you're like fuck that i'm from the place where at eight years old you on motorcycles in the desert and i'm like yeah. that's so different that's so cool yeah.
1: yeah two different worlds
0: um wow i must have been like like i don't know I, i'm just trying to think about it like y'all did races and stuff this is just part of the culture like everybody's up to this or is it more um, like an underground well,
1: not, thing no more underground kind of like we we had basically with on the weekends, and it was like a Wednesday and on the weekend type thing, we'd load them up on a trailer, drive 25, about 25 miles or so down the highway out there. And um, in between, because we had like smaller towns, like setting to where I grew up. Back then, it was like 25, 30,000 people. Now it's 50,000 people there in the town. And it's a lot of like kind of in a really small town, five, 600 people, a couple thousand people here and there spread out in different places around mm-hmm. the local area. And then up to where i'm at now which is an hour and a half away got about 150 200 000 people so yeah we'd go out in the middle of i mean middle of nowhere and there might be there might be five or ten other people out there riding too but i mean it's not nothing like big and
0: wow, but you guys are small town like that it makes more sense that's fucking it's still cool like we're learning these little secrets to the story behind chronos like that um so you said around that same age you started to get into hip-hop a little bit more how did you get like exposed to that being in new mexico riding around on motorcycles and hunting
1: you know and the, well, the funny thing about it is people people that have never especially the further you get away from new mexico we have people here in the states that literally don't know new mexico is a state it's right in between arizona and texas and a lot of people say oh you speak really good english from being from mexico i say yes yeah, because i'm not from mexico <laughs> so i'm from new mexico it's a state <laughs> but uh um, that's I guess growing up there, it's, a, it's it's actually a real diverse culture right there. I mean, a lot of a lot of different different styles of people because everyone moves there because there's a lot of wool field work there. Mm. So it's a uh, okay economically economically people move there from all over the world. I mean, and it's the same place. I'm an hour and a half now on the Texas border, which adjoins to where I'm at growing up. And um, but people move here from Pennsylvania, from Africa, from i mean asia california i'm sure there's people from canada that live in new mexico and texas to work in the field.
0: absolutely sure of it yeah for
1: sure yeah it's it it's crazy how many people you meet and it's just a real diverse culture so i mean that's something i always say i'm blessed to to grow up that way especially playing sports i mean i got the wide range of life man and that's kind of that's how it all started growing up playing sports even in elementary school i started listening and got a got a um, cassette listening to Bone Thugs, and I played Eternal 1999 since so I was like nine years Ooh. old, something like that. I let, my, my, my parents hated hip-hop music, so I, but i sit in there, i lay on the floor with a little boombox and a tape that tape, they play, and sit there and lay down at my grandma's house with a barely turned on listening to it. like that.
0: It's just like sneaking that Bone Thugs.
1: The, the crossroads, what? <laughs> what does that mean? Where are we going? <laughs>
0: You know, that's just, that might be like you could maybe get away with it. Like maybe if you're not really listening, like it's a gospel song.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the the funny thing is to this day, that's, um, my, my mom, she still, she supports everything I do. So she, she just always tell me, she listens to my music, say, I just don't like you cussing. <laughs> but but she, she actually likes that song. That's one of the few rap songs that she'll, she, she enjoys to listen to. Cause I, as a teenager, I'd play my music in the car and she turned that off. And <laughs> now listen to something else just cussing we can't listen to it and then um uh, but she listened to that song and she she still likes it to this day
0: yeah my mom was like that with ride with me by nelly no cussing yeah. but when ride with me came on it was shh, told my dad to shut up for a second we're gonna play that song <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so you got exposed to the bone thugs like that and you just bump into that and uh, at that time in life is it easy for you to get access to new music like how is it really the friend network like how does somebody at nine ten years old in new mexico get like tapped into a world is it radio tv
1: a little bit of everything I, you know and it's hard to even remember exactly kind of the specifics back then of um of everything but I know I mean we had back then um probably a little bit older was like I mean like like BET they would play the the cyphers and the the basement and whatnot 106 and park but I'd hear that that's probably like 11 12 years old so I'm gonna start having more tv shows with them they had um. They'd, they had a local hip-hop show that they would do um, hip-hop on once, uh, once a week because I mean in New Mexico you don't I mean, it's not not a main genre that they play on the small town um, radio. It's mostly country, mm-hmm. classic rock, things of the sort. But they'd have once a week they'd play hip hop, and then um, on Fridays they'd play hip hop, Saturdays they play slow jams. It, old school. You could call in requests and stuff and say, "Hey, I love you. Um, let me listen to Jagged Edge." <laughs> mm-hmm. That's Something of the sort.
0: Yeah, okay, I know, I know what you're talking about. They had like this soft rock version of that shit going on in Montreal, and my mom used to like okay. play that shit for real. And then people would call in and do their corny dedications, and then like request these cheesy songs. But at least Jagged Edge <laughs> had some edge to it.
2: <clears throat> yeah,
1: <laughs> Jagged Edge. I, I think the most we used to go to the skating rink is probably around 12 years old, and there was this thing everyone would hold hands and go skate in a circle for like one, like one dance song or something. And I, they'd play something and. They'd play like a KC and JoJo or something, and go, go ask a little girl, "Would you go skate with me?" <laughs> They'd put that's a disco ball on and turn the lights off and go skate around on the roller rink.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's blessed. So it's like actual skates or like roller skate, like roller skating.
1: Yeah, like, like roller skates, like the four wheels like mm. roller skating. Lace them up, tie them up
0: yeah that shit's actually super litty um i did that once or twice as a teenager and like it is an underrated experience that people should go for but it's cool that they did that yeah that's like the high school dance shit like Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) no for real it's amazing to hear that kind of stuff and just to see what different people do um so when you're like that young with it are you like just uh, like a fan of it like you're just kind of consuming it or do you start to develop this desire to like create your own hip-hop at a certain point
1: well, it, it's a it's a weird weird journey for me because I'm now speaking. I'm 33 years old. Um, I, I didn't I didn't create my first hip hop song until I was 32.
0: Straight up.
1: Yeah, uh, I started awesome. la- last April. All
0: right. So what were we doing back then when you were 12 or 13? Is it still sports at that point? That's like running it.
1: Um, I mean, even even to the age of like yeah, 12 years old, 11, 12 years old. I um, we lived out outside of town, like on the outer, ledges, outer edges of the city limits. Um, I mean, not a huge town, so I mean, you could drive from one side to the other about 15 minutes. But um, we're out there on the edge. We had an elementary school about maybe two, three miles from my house. So sometimes I'd, sk- I'd skip the bus and uh, sit there and have a little little Walkman and an old cheap pair of headphones. And I'd, I'd sneak around, look around. Because I mean, you're supposed to get, you're, you're supposed to get on the bus. <laughs> I'd go over there. Sneak out the backside of the playground over there on the backside and start walking through um, a deserted field and walk two or three miles to the house, listening to. Back then they had the um, CDs that were like, cause, or um, like they called them singles. They usually had a, a song and an instrumental. And I remember one of them um, was um, so the Shocker" was one of them. Somehow I got a hold of that because Walmart sold sold edited CDs, so I was I was able to get the. My mom would buy me those, but she, she you'd have to go to like a Hastings, a blockbuster type of thing. Or, not Blockbuster, like Hastings or like a Mr. Goodies or a CD store, like record store type thing to get the, get the raw cut thing.
0: And so you just kind of like walk out and vibe out to the tracks or?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I just walk around listening to music. I mean, cause that's, that, that is an interesting interlude to kind of how things tie in now. I mean, people are like, well, that that's cool. Like we, we never knew you made music. I mean, we always know you loved it cause I mean, I, my whole life I was, that's, I'm around music, music, music. I listen to music uh, before I got ready for, I mean, matches and wrestling or getting ready for a fight. I always had my headphones on listening to music. Before oh,
0: football you were games. doing wrestling? All of this?
1: Yeah, I, I wrestled in high school. It's like a collegiate style wrestling. i um, not like, like a TV wrestling, but like a like, oh, like style the,
0: Yeah, like the Olympic shits, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I did that in high school.
0: That's fucking did, bad. Um, yeah, it
1: was a, a transi- late transition in high school because... The little town i came from a uh, fun fact about hubs new mexico we um uh, it's, it's a huge basketball town middle of the desert and a town in new mexico it's really weird but uh, I and mean, that they, they, they won state 17 state championships and they that one of their coaches um won, won an espy <laughs> but the, the arena is named after a guy named ralph tasker he, he won an espy award which is a big sports award over here and uh and also, I mean, it was on like ESPN's top 10 places to ever watch a high school basketball game, fifth place in the nation to go and watch a basketball game.
0: <laughs> that's serious. That must have been good for tourism.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so everyone everyone loves basketball, and that's kind of weird enough how I got into wrestling because I was a, I was a, I don't like to sound conceited or cocky. I was a good, I was a, I'll just say I was a good football player. I was a good football player, and I, I like basketball, but I wasn't near as good. I'm only 5'11 and kind of big framed, so I'm not necessarily built for basketball. <laughs> right. But I mean, I enjoyed it. I played it for a while, and then in tenth grade, I say, you know what? It, it served me better to transition from basketball into wrestling, and then that'll help me out with football. And I did that, and then really enjoyed wrestling as well. And got just my second year, my senior year, got seated seated third in the state in uh, 189 pounds. So kind of picked on picked up quick, and the wrestling kind of helped me transition into, or football helped me transition into wrestling. So.
0: You were like third in the state? You said.
1: Yeah, and we, um, we, we actually, even though we we're in a small town, I mean, we only had one high school, so they're like, about 600 people in each graduation class, so we're, we're going against schools like Las Cruces and Albuquerque, like, the bigger cities and the bigger towns, so we we're what they consider 6A over here, so, yep. I, I, I was happy with the progression.
0: You were the third best wrestler in your state at that time for your high school division. That's what I understood
1: yeah yeah i ended up placing six but i was seated third going into the tournament at the end of the year
0: Oh, okay so like that meant that they assumed you were third best based on xyz and then you actually played yeah. six you know yeah. what being the sixth best wrestler in new mexico is still pretty fucking blessed there's a lot of new mexico wrestlers i imagine
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was fun i think we had 30 40 some odd schools and 16 qualify for the tournament top six place in medal, and um, then they cg 1 through 16 based on record opponents blah 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 things of the sort
0: yeah that's mad nifty stills so you're basically a high school athlete of accolade level accolade things i don't know about trophies that's an accolade fuck it it's an accolade what else do you do at that time in your life are you into like writing or any other kind of creative passions
1: <clears throat> um i mean back then not really not not a whole lot like i enjoyed them um, i i i, I sketch a little bit, but I was terrible at drawing. I mean, I like playing around and like thinking through it in my mind, drawing, painting, stuff like that, but I never was good at it. So I never focused on it too, too much. Uh, but mostly sports kind of consumed my life because I, I mean, and I guess tonight I played tra- like ran track track and field uh, and football, wrestling and then baseball year round. So kind of kept, kept me pretty busy. I mean, I would um, I'd listen to music and I'd sit in there and i'd freestyle out here like an instrumental or something uh-huh. and I'd I'd, I'd I'd freestyle a little bit and i um, kind of just singing by myself and <laughs> not too much in front of people until i got a little bit older like college age and sometimes i'd spit a few bars here and there
0: and that's where like you would have those instrumental single tapes so you could be walking around busting your little private freestyles because you had the beast to do so
1: yeah yeah just kind of yeah basically yeah like one those little singles yeah one instrumental one song and just kind of mess around and usually it was pretty terrible but i mean it was fun i still enjoyed
2: it
0: i mean i've heard every single human i've talked to say my early shit's terrible so i don't know if it really was or if that's just how you remember it
1: yeah it's probably probably a little bit of both i mean i'm sure there's glimpses here and there of both good and great
2: because sometimes
0: that young shit has this like passion and rawness to it that we can never recreate as adults even if it's Mm -hmm. not as good maybe just the way you spit the shit was different or you know like i'd be curious to hear it i know it doesn't exist but i'd be so curious to hear that but that's still I'd be, cool i'd be
1: curious to tap into it
0: <laughs> so we have this young chronos who can bust some freestyles on the low who's an athlete hero and is banging out life in new mexico and sports takes over because i guess there's not a lot else to do in your place like i guess there's not like a whole bunch of bands coming through your crib and you got to go hours to a big city type of thing
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only the only time I ever really remember any kind of concerts or anything coming through there. I don't know. You remember um, Westside Connection like, like Mac-10 and Mac Ten? And I remember Mac Ten came to the Lee County Events Center in Hobbs when I was twelve. And of course, I really wanted to go. My parents said no. <laughs> and he ain't going. <laughs> Someone's gonna get shot there, and I think someone might have. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> got, got into a fight because that's Hobbs is I guess close enough to the to the border. Even though with it being such a small town, it's a pretty really rough place to kind of grow up you go to house parties it's not off the off the norm for someone to get shot in the head or get stabbed or something at a high school house party or something <laughs> like the sort
0: like for real real
1: oh yeah yeah definitely
0: <laughs> that's like not what you're expecting is it like open carry in new mexico yeah
1: it's open it's like uh, it's open carry as well um over in new mexico what you can do without a i think they've, they've been working on changing the law a little bit but i think um, before you get open carry but uh, that usually would not wasn't a big wasn't a big issue. is more yeah, people getting obtaining them illegally, stealing them, and things of
0: the sort. Damn. Well, I mean, it's mad different, right? I was just thinking about open carry just like earlier today. I'm like, yo, it is the farthest thing from open carry in Montreal. There's there's yeah. no carry. It's to the point where if we're talking legally, if you own a gun, you got to keep it in a safe and the bullets in the next safe, as in two safes. And then you have to okay. put that motherfucker in your trunk, and then you have to take a fucking specific route that is pre-picked for you by the government to the appropriate gun range. And if you deviate from that route, big trouble with the five O's. And yeah. if you, then you can go shoot your gun at that range, and like that, or you're hunting.
1: Okay.
0: Otherwise, it's like man, there's almost like no valid reason to own a gun in Montreal. Um, that like legal valid reason. <clears throat> Yeah. right um and it's like so like i was thinking i'm like shit imagine a world where like like people can just cop guns and but like walk around with the guns because that's allowed mm-hmm. like you see when you're growing up are there just people right. with guns around like i'm just asking because i was never really thought about open carry until like today
1: yeah it's um even though it's legal it's not really it's not real prevalent you won't see it very often you might like a day-to-day basis, I don't ever see anyone really carrying a gun. Every, um, even especially now, I mean, it's every now and again you'll go somewhere, but I mean, there's still so- storage you can't carry them in. Even though it's legal to carry them on your person, but if a sign, if, it's, if they have a legal sign on the list saying you can't have it, then uh, you can't come in the store with it. You have to leave it in the vehicle, uh, basically put away where it's out of sight. Mm. But yeah, you, you'll see it every now and again. You'll see someone has a holster on their hip or something, or, or sword, and they'll be carrying a pistol with
0: them. I'm not going to lie, if I was up in New Mexico and I saw it for the first time, it would trip me the fuck out. Like I I would do like a triple tick. I'd be like, oh, fuck me, eh? <laughs> like, that's a, yeah, that's yeah, well, a real thing. We ain't in Canada no more. <laughs> <laughs>
1: ain't in Kansas no more, Toto?
0: Nah, but I mean, because even like the northern shit, it's not so prevalent. You know, like it's more of uh, you got to go down south to really find that according to what I remember from Google. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not pretending like my fucking u.s geography and knowledge of state law is up to anything <laughs>
1: oh, i'm sure i'm sure mine isn't and i live here
0: <laughs> so like what happens for you after high school then what do you go on to do look at this like Kronos is famous in 10 years somebody's gotta find the story of Kronos.
1: I don't know if they want to listen to it. <laughs> no, they do, man. No, that, it,
0: Yo, trust. There's still nine people fucking riding. Like, nobody's leaving. They're interested.
1: Nice. Hey, well, whoever's there, I appreciate it. I can't see it on here, but hey, I, I, I like everyone. Love everyone. I try to respect everyone. I appreciate the support and people interested in hearing the crazy things I got to say. But
0: They're definitely I'm sure interesting.
1: You, I'm sure you carry a lot of that on there, too, because you've been, been great so far. Leading 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 the blind.
0: All I got to do is uh, keep you talking. <laughs>
1: yeah, there we go. But yeah, I guess um, a- after high school, I mean, I, and that's a weird thing, too. I mean, I, I was into sports, and that was my main focus. But um, we had, like I said earlier, we had about 600 people in our graduating class. And then um, I actually graduated in um, the top 10% of my, my graduating class. And, uh, yeah, I, I dragged
0: that academic shit.
1: Yeah, I'll go ahead and pat myself on the back because, I mean, not, pe- not too many people can do both. So I tried to, I was blessed with the, I got a, got a big head. I wear a seven and then three quarters and a fitted hat. So mm-hmm. at least that, back then there's something in it. I don't know if there is or not anymore. But <laughs> yeah, but back then, I mean, it, it helped me get through. I went into school because I mean, over here, I don't know how it is in Canada, but over here, college is a little bit expensive. You kind of got a thing you got to save up for, plan for of the sort. But, um, uh,
0: you definitely yeah, kind can of, kind do of, kind it a of lot more that. on a whim here. It's like our entire college could be like one year for you. Yeah. So yeah. Um, same, same. So you prepared for college then? Like, what's that like going through that process? Nobody talks about this shit. So for me, I'm like, fuck. The guy's in New Mexico and he went to college. Let's fucking break it down. Was U.S. college? It <laughs>
1: it's pretty pretty interesting and we can we can keep rolling with everything and see where we end up today because i i tell people a lot of times the only reason the guy for those sake he's got the job is because i was too damn busy mm-hmm. doing nothing
0: <laughs> that's amazing. but
1: um yeah from there i kind of went to yeah I, w- I went to school and was going to try to get a doctor's degree in pharmacy
0: oh that's sick so
1: so i i still i played basketball for fun on the side i mean i said i wasn't great at it but i still intertwine myself in it I worked two jobs I managed a swimming pool in in New Mexico over the city of the Hobbs over there I managed a swimming pool and then worked at the college as like the student services I planned uh, we planned events we helped plan events we ran the game room things of the sort like that so I'm always listening to music there we planned dances with DJs and things so get to do a little bit
0: that is a very handy skill set for a rapper to be having here how to fucking plan an event and pull off some shit is all i'm trying to say but that's also an interesting thing that can tie out to that knowledge nugget shit yo because like one of the things that keeps me employed at my day job is the synergy between my ability to maintain my life outside of work based on the ability to practice shit in an environment that is not my life and that's kind of <laughs> what like planning events for whatever you were at school or whatever it was sorry <laughs> like it um it kind of plays into the same thing you you run through the motions you develop the checklists you start to understand what to watch for but more importantly you see what the fuck happens when fuck ups happen and how to fucking deal with that stuff
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's not yeah it's kind of like a
1: it's kind of like a it was, like a, it, it was a more like a it was interesting the way it was too because it was a it was all school function so i mean yeah, i definitely won't take any credit for any of the major stuff is basically i got my sidekick i was working 20 hours a week there making a few extra bucks to help pay for my books and pay for food and stuff and and whatnot so it's kind of
0: you could have also not been doing that and that's what's interesting because at 32 or whatever you start rapping and maybe if you're not sitting there event planning involved with musics and whatnot with youth like young people so you're seeing the impact of this do you get to go to the events or are you like behind the scenes
1: no i was at the events because that's kind of i mean it almost i wouldn't say we it was a college dance we didn't have security but i kind of i mean help help the guy that I organized it with and mean, kind of run the door help go to, sometimes i help with the dj a little bit or just kind of oversee the events and kind of the flow of the night and things so
0: so, yeah, it's definitely evening. huge. So you're seeing the impact of music on crowds, on people, oh, yeah, yeah. social a, dynamics. A
1: lot of fun to me.
0: Yeah, Yo, did you get to see anything wild? Wild? Was anything crazy going down at some of these parties that you can talk about? I don't know. Sometimes people <laughs> have great stories here.
1: So th- these are these are um, hearsay. I mean, uh, theoretically speaking.
0: <laughs> Always. No, I mean, Always there, there
1: was. Just to, I guess, put put things in a weird, long perspective, and I won't to go too in-depth into it, but, um, yeah, there, there was time. I mean, he'd let us, um, he'd kind of turn a blind eye and let, we'd pour a little bit of a little bit of whiskey in the mixing it with the, the soda while we're working up there and, at the dances and stuff, have a, have a few drinks, but there was one night, um, I was dating a girl at the time. I said that things in Hobbs and New Mexico in general, were kind, they're kind of rough in times. There's which you see at gangs, we had Sadanos, we had Bloods, we had Clip, Grips and sort of there. So sometimes people would intermingle. I mean, people would go chase the college girls so they'd show up to the campuses, the dorms and things, or show up to these mm-hmm. dances and whatnot, hang out. And somehow I mean, people that play sports there, they interact outside of the, just the, the college, from wherever they're from in the world.
0: I highly respect so, you. I don't want to get too deep into that.
2: <laughs> I highly <laughs> respect that.
0: I'm like, he dropped some buzzwords where I don't want to get too deep into that no more. <laughs> yeah. That's serious. Stills, yeah. man. That's like a very different environment. Um, And I guess you get to see how to manage that and how to be in that kind of context so it toughens you and all that shit too, right? Because you got to keep going back to it.
1: Yeah, I like to... The biggest thing, and I said do to... In my personal life, my personality, my music, sports, everything. I've, it's always been a melting pot. Everything mm-hmm. has been real real diverse, and I've, I've experienced a lot. I've met famous people, hung out with fam- rich people, I've hung out with the snooty, popular kids, and I've also spent time with, I mean, Zaldeños, I mean, at their house, sleeping in the trailer with no heat, no electricity, almost on the weekend. Not, not, not often, but I've, I mean do the same thing I've, I've experienced. It. I've been around it. I've been mm-hmm. different different social, culturally thing, cultures and whatnot. I've uh, probably been to at least 30, 40, 50 quinceañeras, which is kind of like a traditional Spanish thing. I mean, Hispanic for the Mexicans, They, once you turn 15, it's basically like the, the movies of the, the uh, what's what I want to say, the rites of passage right. becoming an adult for a young lady. So they have a quinceañera. It's either they buy the girl like an expensive car, or throw this huge extravagant party. That's they they spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars on sometimes for like a dance or a party for a, for a fifteen year old girl.
0: Yeah, it's just a bar mitzvah, for, for
1: yeah, it, yeah, basically, exactly. And it's
0: I yeah, um, respect in, it. And
1: <laughs> in, in, in the Mexican culture, I mean, that's and that's where I grew up with a lot. I mean, cause in New Mexico, there's a lot of Mexican people. So
2: I mean, they go to these.
1: They, they they cook a lot of good Mexican food, and then they go. I mean. And it's not it's not out of the normal to go. I mean, go to a party like that, and thirteen year old teenagers are over there drinking beer. Yeah, I'm open with the adults; and no one cares, no one bats an eye. But you go anywhere else at that age over here, then I mean, it's a huge deal. You can't go to bars, can't go to clubs, you can't buy it. Go to parties, you're gonna get busted, maybe arrested by the cops. So, but you go to that, I mean, as a 16-, 17 year old kid, you can walk in with the fit the vodka, fit the rum or something in a thirty pack, and no one bats an eye. <laughs>
0: serious you are like the exact same age right so i can like parallel this shit back to my life and how boring i was (laughs) i was but i mean don't get me wrong everything that you said exists in some way in montreal i was just not exposed to any of it i was not very cool in high school so i didn't get to go party a lot um i found out later there was some serious like party opportunities i could have been involved in given where i went to high school but no i didn't do any of that But also just to think of the way that the cultures are treated so differently and how it's almost like allowed is is, like it's just one of those things you don't really consider a lot how if you go into a mexican cultural area it's like certain norms are just so drastically different than if you go into the other part of town and how like almost segregated culturally speaking that can almost create an environment like i don't know that that to me is mad different but like, it's probably a real thing. It's more prevalent everywhere else. Right? Like
1: it, it really is. And this, I mean, that so segregation has ended and things like that. I mean, and it, it wouldn't, but it's, it is weird to see like the towns you go to, because almost every town you go to, there's always certain areas you'll find certain people. That's how, even in Hobbs, that's how it was. The central town, the north of town, it's a mix of everyone. I mean, east side it's a mix of everyone everywhere but i mean predominantly that's what you think of. you go to the east side you get the african-american people on the east side the hispanic people on the south side and then the rest of the city's kind of kind of mixed a little bit more but that's predominantly that's the majority over there in those sides of town i mean i spent plenty of time hanging out on the south side i hung out all over the city they're everywhere and just different times different people i mean yeah my friends kind of wide range of people all over the place, different. You personality seem interests, like, interests.
0: <laughs> i feel like you just attract everybody and everybody likes you you just have that kind of energy sometimes <laughs> ah,
1: <that's amazing. laughs> I'm uh, sure there's a few people willie, that don't like me but willie,
0: I, uh... willie wants to know about the where the indigenous people that we have mad communities in new mexico were you bopping around with the indigenous communities at all
1: I actually um, worked up in um, a little bit later. I'm actually in, into college, kind of how I got there after college. I guess I'll give a short tidbit, but I'm not going to go into it since it's on the recording again. But um, that's
0: off camera was, stories, was, really off camera stories.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely lots of off camera stories we could go into. But um, yeah, this one kind of I made it made a, a bit of a mistake. Whenever I was 21 years old, second year of college, I'm working to get a doctor's degree same time. Like I said, I like to party. I like to listen to music. I like to have fun. So, I mean, back then I used to smoke and whatnot, and I used to also make a little bit of extra money doing that, and then other party favors and things. So, and then until one day my luck ran dry, and that kind of got me into a big, <laughs> a big stink. But anyways, anyhow, I ended up working from there. Whenever I so I went to went to jail for a little bit, lucky not to have to go to prison. But went from there and went to uh, went to Rio Dulce, New Mexico, where they have um, they have an Apache territory up there. Apache Indians and the indigenous people up there. And we, um, I mean, so I made some friends there and just kind of, Most, I was mostly working. I was kind of running, running wireline, putting putting in t- telephone poles, um, running lines above ground, underground, out in the mountains up there. And then, um, and then now, so I mean, they have some different, different communities up there. I think Apache, Apache um, indigenous people around there, the Navajos, I think have some in the similar areas, but yeah, they're more, um, there's more indigenous people i'd say probably a little bit further in northern new mexico than southern new mexico okay but cl- close to us and in my experience i mean i was able to interact a little bit with some like a few people from like the apache tribes and some navajo people as well but that's kind of the extent of it i wasn't around as many there wasn't many in obvs as well
0: fair i don't think they were as close to because like, we have like real close to montreal there's several uh territories that exist that are not like you know montreal or whatever so like it's really accessible and always present i guess in my reality but it's super nifty That's to super consider nifty nifty that the way himself. that it gets chopped up you could be in an experience where you have almost no exposure at all which is just a game like super different
1: yeah and it, it is it is pretty neat and i guess just to tie it all on together i guess to what's big folks in my life sports is i enjoy it we'd go and play in wrestling tournaments we'd go and um I mean, like, you can remember a couple of schools. Shiprock was basically um, all, all tribal land, I think, is a tribal school, and they wrestled in the state of New Mexico with, with everyone else. And i tell you, that those guys were tough, man. They, they were tough. I and mean, it's crazy, too, because it's not like what you think of the normal athletic physique, the aesthetics and things. They're going there, big, big belly, skinny arms, and guys were strong. And <laughs> they were strong and very mentally tough. Mm. Per- persevered a lot. And so it was kind of neat seeing that. See that, too, and then you get to kind of see the personality and, and little glimpses of just that environment, but it's pretty cool. And then um, same thing, we go up to Rio Doso, which is Apache a um, tribal land up there, and they have um, a basketball tournament that we go, a 303 basketball tournament that I still play. I think I went up there last time I went up there two years ago, and we go and play on the, the tribal land up there and play three-on-three tournaments. Get probably two, or 300 teams for this tournament and go play up there. Mm. Yeah. I got a, I got a question. question We play against each other And interact that way as well
0: yeah, That's beautiful how sports can do that still is, Um. There's a question I missed from Willie And then Jumpin' Joe kind of doubled on And I'm like I don't know what they're talking about But they want to know where your cup is And I don't know what the fuck they're talking about
1: <laughs> You know what Give me about 30 seconds I'll go get it real quick and I'll pour something in it Not even
0: worried it. about it Let it salt and lemon that is a simple salad I would definitely require more than that or Well I burn off a lot of calories in a day So I try to like actually Like Make sure I eat enough Cause I it's also like You don't want to eat like too little If you're like pushing it and shit Like if you're breaking like 4,000 calories in a day You best be fucking eating or you might like pass out and shit So like if I don't eat enough I get like fucking vertigo so like I have to like make sure yo you were at the fucking screw job you were at the screw job sorry that's what the guy, <laughs> guy in the chat was at. I was like word I was at the screw job shout out Lanson the god MC that's cool that's fucking great that's like our biggest contribution in my opinion to fucking you spit in Vince's face that's amazing <laughs> you gotta like uh, go back a little bit or tilt your camera up a little bit Awesome, that's better. Not that we don't like your shirt, but we want to see you. Oh, yeah. That,
1: that was just my that, that was my uh, my little direct plug because um as you can tell my shirt went from black to black to red. My wife just got that making this. We I mean, we're about to celebrate over here Fourth of July in the states. Mm. So uh, red, white, and blue, and um I'm sure if you listen to Texas music, like DJ screw the chopped and screwed music.
0: Um I'm actually really into that sound. I wasn't into it until I understood that sound, and now I understand the sound, and I'm like, bro, you can. I heard your remix that you have on your track, on the project. Oh, yeah. That is the one I felt the most compelled to hit that little heart button on Spotify. Like, I just awesome. had to, like, fucking hear that one. Again. And there's something to the vibe of it, where it just takes people and just grooves it the fuck out, and you just i love the way it chops i have one done for one of my tracks because i fucked with it real heavy once my boy was doing it's like once you like hear a song you really like and then you hear it like redone you're like oh Mm -hmm. oh but like it does require like understanding vibes you know like it's it's very vibe driven it's a lot less technique driven right because it's almost like fucking up all your technique work and creating a vibe out of it
1: yes definitely definitely and that's um Biggest thing for me, and those are some of my biggest influences, and that's why well, I was putting this down here because the DJ Screw and that this will actually correlate directly in with my cup. But it says red, red white, and screw instead of mm-hmm. red, white, and blue July. And I'm actually that's why I'm getting ready to make like I think I'm gonna make six of them and sell either sell them online or sell them at um, at the show that I'm doing. At this very day,
0: moment, so. I would target Tampa Bay right now because they're playing Montreal in oh, hockey yeah. <laughs> in the NHL Finals. So you nice. have a shirt that's almost like fuck Montreal a little bit, in my opinion. You could uh, <laughs> absolutely sell that in fucking Tampa Bay for the next two weeks.
2: <clears> Hell <throat> oh,
1: yeah. Well, I got, maybe I just need to catch a flight. <laughs> go, go stand outside the stadium with one on and just hawk um, just them. Tell my boss I'll be back in a week.
0: <laughs> Yo, honestly, you know, it, it's the kind of thing. 20 bucks, enough shirts, you might actually break them up to <laughs> so, like, make it worth the while. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: But um, and, and that also directly goes straight in with the cup that they wanted to see.
0: Oh cup shit! That's, that's fucking cool. That's real cool. The,
1: yeah, the H Town. That's where I mean, where the screw originated, and it's got the screws making the H, and then the astro symbol on it for the H Town. Nice. Zero, Pimp C, Bun B, DJ Screw, all, all the kind of the the, find, the founders and pioneers. Yeah, it's real.
0: Yeah, because it was DJ Screw Day on Sunday. That's something I'm aware of. Yep. And so...
1: June 26th.
0: I'm very happy to, like, dedicate any time. If you want to just kind of break it down a little bit more, what it is. Like, the whole culture around it. Because I don't not believe I can do it justice. I don't have the knowledge yet. But how, like, big it is. It's to the point where it's like you're not even supposed to call it chopped and screwed unless screw touched it, is what I understand.
1: right right yeah that's i mean it's basically his legacy and um kind of think i guess um i guess a little weird backstory about that is um he was the first one i guess to kind of really make that i wouldn't even say mainstream but make it a a stamp to make music like that to chop up the verses um, bring them back and slow them down speed them up slow them down Um, that that was one of the biggest things and then there's a a big rivalry it's almost (coughs) kind of like bloods and crips you had the one side of Houston, the other side of Houston, I mean, kind of back when Chameleon Air and Paul Wool, a different there, they're on one side with the blue or whatever, and then the red over here. And then there was actually DJ um, Michael 5000 Watts, on uh, uh, DJ Watts and Michael Watts, same thing. He made some great mixes, great music, but no, I mean, he was from a certain different part of town. No one would listen to him. So he actually, he went by a fake um, alias <laughs> and sold his music like he was someone from a different part of town because i mean to him it was, I mean he, he was one of those type of people messed with everyone mm. I mean, he, he enjoyed everyone's music he wasn't really part of that kind of beef but because that beef existed he had to make up a fake alias name to promote his music and people were jamming it in the clubs and in their cars and the big one of the big things about i mean it's you know as i'm sure here of texas is kind of like a like southern like hillbilly hick type kind of country type state so yeah, in a right. sense they kind of they, they took all that and um kind of intertwined it into their they made their own style that was different from hip-hop anywhere else and that's why i mean it can be recognized i mean a lot of places all over the world i mean you're chopped and screwed or you think dj screw so that the biggest things to them with the the can the candy paint on the car is something real real bright real flashy so you go to one side you have the real real um pearl and the, the pearl and the blues the, and then the other one you have like the candy apple red and they they call them, t- like, you hear know, a lot of songs tipping on VOS or swangas and things like that. It's where the wheels poke out. I mean, the further they poke out, then, I mean, it's, it's kind of like there's different trends. Of, you know, like the big shiny rims and things of the sort over there. They put the the the, vos, the 80 foes and things on their, on their rides where they, they poke out real wide.
0: Well, I had their... no idea what a Vose was. I've heard that shit in rhymes before, and I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. It's just, like, one of them words you hear, and you don't have to care about it, honestly i had no yeah. idea what the fuck it was that's it's, it's, sp-
1: it's specific to a certain type of wheel a certain type of rim that they used to put on on the cars over there and that was like a staple and a trademark for the chopped and screwed air in that that cultural um and the music and everything it's kind of kind of neat Yeah,
0: you know, i barely ever think oh, about man, car culture because like we can't have cool lights on the bottom of our cars and we can't have cars that bounce so like i've never seen okay. a bouncing car I'm I've just never seen any of this shit in real life like i know it exists yeah. i know it's a thing but i also know it's a thing that's highly correlated to like this world of music that i'm also really disconnected from because it's not here mm-hmm. or prevalent to my knowledge here
1: yeah that, that is something different and it's great i mean it's kind of neat talking to you and seeing the two different worlds of um, how we grew up differently too because even though i mean me i'm just i white white a My culture is my culture is so mixed and diverse of what I've grown up around. So I actually spend a lot, spent a lot of time at like low rider shows and stuff with the Hispanic, um, culture is probably what I'd probably directly correlate, I guess if I had to pick one that I've spent the most time around has been around Hispanic culture
2: mm.
1: and we always go into the low rider, same thing, like real bright paint jobs and they like a little more gold on the cars, the smaller wheels, hundred spokes and things of the sort and then, um, yeah i, I love lowriders i mean i want i want a I'm 64 impala is one of my dream cars with the top, top um drop top roof and have about six batteries in it and we're gonna have it hop and drop it all the way down stand it on three
0: wheels yo that's serious like just like like it's serious shit like i mean <laughs> i know it's all real and stuff and i know to a lot of people watching it my bamboozlement might be kind of astounding but yo like there's not even that many fancy fucking paint jobs in montreal like you don't get a lot of that it's super rare people have like really standard looking cars (laughs) like if anything you buy a tesla and that's how you're flexing these days but like yeah it's all like i don't know i know the country is different so i don't know fuck all about like the oh no aftermarket mods yeah that's a good that's what the rule is yeah like i don't know i'm sure in the country there's some shit but like bro i'm from i'm never in the country (laughs) like i don't know anything about the country in quebec i don't know anything about it my girlfriend knows more than i do but um so that's just super nifty to see how like because that kind of stuff shifts everything about the musical culture right so if let's say car culture hypothetically is not important towards the sound of a certain geographical region and you come from a place like my place where it's not if you're trying to jack that sound hypothetically speaking it's probably not going to connect the same way because so many roots of that culture that sound that made it work where it came from at least for the artists who created it are just like there i'm not to say that the sounds won't work but like the package won't feel right
1: yeah and that's and it's kind of neat um seeing that and even though i've only been making music for a year or so um some of the first um, few features that pe- people actually sought out and reached out once they heard my music and say, Hey, I really want you to work on this song or something. An interesting thing is, um, me and a guy named Ace Flow did a song called burn slow and I recorded it eight months ago, whenever I was six months into rapping. And it was one of the first features I ever did. And he released it last week
2: hmm.
1: and it was cool. Cause I, I did, I did a hook and a song, a hook and a 16 bar verse for it. Um, and it's all chopped. The, the hook is chopped and screwed. And that that's why he, he, this guy lives up in Iowa. He said, man, he said, I heard, heard um, what you're talking about song, which to me, lyrically, I don't think is a great song, but that's a great song to kind of really tap into that chopped and screwed culture.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: got a screw hook on it. And um, basically the whole song is about Texas and about the, the screw culture and the, I mean, just that whole environment. And that's what this guy had heard. And he said, man, he said, I like it. He's like, because you have a different sound. He's like, you got a little bit of that. You got a real strong accent like a southern more like a what people would associate with like a like country accent you hear more like country music because
0: I'm, I'm gonna have to agree with this fine fellow um it was the first thing i thought when i talked to you i'm like yo he that kind of south <laughs> in terms of the voice <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah for sure
0: no disrespect to anything i fucking love it it's yeah. a cool accent
1: i appreciate it yeah it's definitely especially the more, the more i drink if whenever i do drink it um my, will southern accent gets a little bit deeper and a little more profound.
0: It, it makes me think of Yellow Wolf, but mm-hmm, yeah, like you might feel different about different Southern accents. Y'all sound the same to me. Don't even ask me to try to identify. a fucking place.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I mean it, it's all fairly similar, and that's that's kind of cool. I actually missed an opportunity on there. I had an he did. See, I, I ride motorcycles, and so I was gonna loop around too early. Oh and yeah,
0: I, I'm I excited. No, we're gonna don't get don't back to it. That,
1: I don't know if you ever saw that um, rolling around um, video. One of, it was the first video that music video I ever got to do, and it's um, the motorcycle in it is that's actually my personal motorcycle, and it goes straight to that culture and bikes and things, incorporated into music because that's kind of as my lifestyle. It's got um, a red and blue bend or blend, and that's how this cup was made um, for that video shoot. I made one for me, I made one for my producer, and one of my good friends, Trouble, is the one that got me into rapping he's in the video so i made him one he let it we shot half the video at his at his studio and his house and then so i made this one this color and the rest of them like the dr- traditional i don't know if you've seen like the dj screw like the purple dripping which i mean so came from how pimp c died his he, liver failed from drinking too much lean and they kind of popularized that before it was actually popularized it was just what they did it wasn't like a All right a clout chasing type thing it's just i mean they went to parties they poured it in their sprite and they they had a good time before anyone knew what the hell it was or what it did. They, they, just someone. I remember Zero got a hold of it and then Pimp C drank it all the time and of course his liver shut down and he died. Rest a piece to the pimp. But him and Bun, him and Bun B had that group UGK UGK together. But uh,
0: wonderful group. So yeah, I
1: had this one. I made one for my buddy Trouble Up and then one for his, his name is Lonely. He's in a, a two man duo called Greenhouse. And him have done a couple songs a couple videos together but he, he featured on the song for me and he was actually one of the first ones to to feature with me he's he's a really really talented uh, musician from uh he's from obviously mexico as well but me and him didn't know each other outside of music right and he, he he said you know what? i see how hard you're working you're barely starting but he said I, I won't charge you a thing he's like for first one i do it for you and I'll, I'll try to help you anything you need too great guy and then so I made him a cup just to kind of say, "Hey, thanks, I appreciate you." Type of deal. Had some custom ones made, and then one for the guy that produced and directed the film, "With Diamonds Rising," my buddy Fabian Navarro. He's really talented with the camera. So, I man, that's just kind of—I like to—if do, if people show that kind of love to me, I, I want to find some sort of way, and that's my way of saying, "Hey, I appreciate you." Yeah, you that's
0: <clears throat> That's a knowledge nugget, everyone. It's kind of gestures work
1: you can definitely see that in, in the video right there you can see because they're all holding their cups in the video too and so, so i think it'd be a cool thing for the video and then also something for them to have with their name on it because i put Kronos on mine and then put their their artist names or their, their uh, business on theirs right and then i painted my bike the same way the roundabout way and the same thing It has the my bike has the parental advisory i'm stamped painted into the front fender it's got 21 inch um, red wheel it's, it's kind of it's a mixture between my love for music and my love for sports because i'm a big was a houston oilers and a tennessee titans fan so that's the color of the bike's painted and it's got a bunch of skulls ghosted into the red cool derrick's post are pearled into it where you can't see until the sun hits it it's got a nice little stereo system on it and whatnot and it's it's a cool little bike that kind of my my dream come true type thing that i always wanted to do got it done about three years ago
0: and that makes sense because you were like eight years old learning how to ride bikes back in the day
1: <laughs> yeah, I've always been obsessed with, with car, car, old cars, trucks, and motorcycles.
0: Fair enough. So if we go back to like the, the post-college, post some stuff happened, then you're doing some work stuff, like what else is going on in your life? How do you start getting into more of this like bike culture? What else is going on for you?
1: Well, um, and throughout that time I raced motocross and stuff, and then once I... Hold
0: on, you may run that back. Moto, my girlfriend was a moto-ho.
1: Uh, no joke okay, no, well, straight uh, up
0: back in the day that's, that's one of her like she just said hold up like she got excited <laughs> you gotta understand this is her shit I'm like the fuck is a moto hoe? she's like a hoe for the motocross guys now y'all know so she would cause in the country where she's from in Quebec that's just some real real so she would go fuck okay. the motocross guys back in the day Yo, she's she's put this on blast. It's not a secret. It's all over. It's, not the, a okay. it's on wax. She said it. I'm allowed to say this.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so you, you got the blessing. So we're in the clear now. Let's,
0: yeah. Yeah. No,
1: it's um, it, it wasn't something I did. I, I never was a professional at it. So um, we're, we're all good here, man. Don't 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 cut me off the screen. No,
0: nah, we good. She she's Now nah, we um,
1: <laughs> I I did it for um a few years. I mean, just as like a hobby. I mean, I always rode, rode motorcycles did desert races, enduros kind of out in the country. And I wanted to say, okay, I want to see if I can, I mean, I enjoy jumping it too, so I want to do some motocross. And I did that for a couple of years. But I was a little bit younger than my competition because I was kind of a bigger kid back then. So I rode a 125. I raced a 125. I was in the 250s, the two strokes back then. And it's kind of like, okay, I'm 12, 13 years old and racing against 26-year-old men. <laughs> so it's kind of, they've been doing it a little bit longer. But, I mean, I, I did, um, I got me one plaque for motocross the whole one out of my whole life, I got one top five finish, and then also, I fought for 10 years, fought MMA for 10 years. And then what?
2: But, but the we only are, time that I've been... expecting
1: complete, that? The only time I was knocked unconscious was on a on a motocross track. I was completely unconscious for about three or four minutes.
0: So, I, I, I know what motocross is, kind of, because I went to a monster truck thing that had guys doing what I think is motocross there. I don't fuck it. What's motocross for the people that don't fully know what motocross is?
1: Well, I mean basically the, they take a faster the faster dirt bikes and they tune them up and then uh, you have arena cross and you have motocross. Basically it's a it's a, a track setup it has has some big jumps, it has little small bumps that maybe 20 30, 10 20 30 in a row they call a whoop section. There may be a foot off the ground but they, your bike you have to kind of get that front tire up and ride them through. You, you have a lot of technical real tight hairpin turns where you go like that, turn around, and then you have some big jumps where sometimes you're jumping two or three big mounds and jumping 60 to 100 foot through the air. Yeah, seriously. So you you basically line up in a long gate in a line, sometimes 30 different bikes. You stand there, you sit there and get ready to gear it down. And then they drop the they drop the gate. And as soon as they drop the gate, everyone just zero to 60 miles an hour sometimes in a pack this tight. Bro, how
0: are you not terrified? Or I guess you live for this shit
1: well the yes and no the weird thing I mean every time before I walked into the cage to fight any time I got I stepped on the mat to do re, for wrestling or a brazilian jiu jitsu competition or anything of the sort and racing especially my heart would pound it, it, i mean just like ner- i get the same and i think that's why i love uh, performing and doing music as well because i get that same feeling i used to get before i go mm. fight and before i race get there and even if the, even if it's only 20 30 people in the crowd kind of like well these people are sitting there and everyone's watching you you got to do your thing you got to you got to entertain and i mean it's kind of showing what you've been working on same yeah. thing with the races yeah. i get real nervous i get up there and my heart would pound and pound until get into it get it seven in the cage i get i get excited but and you got i think the biggest crowd i ever fought in front of maybe 1500 people you, you walk out to that song the, the music's blaring you're walking out there you're excited but then it's like you get up there, you take everything off, talk to your coaches, get in the cage, and it's just you. <laughs> Everyone's staring at you. Yeah, you could die. Or you know, who knows what's going to happen. And, man, my heart would always pound. I would feel like I got to go run to the restroom. I sit there and yeah, it was really nervous energy, but it was a good feeling though. It was, kind of, it was really exciting.
0: See, so, yeah, so, once you
1: get going, you get punched in the face, or you get hit, it's like, okay, this is what we do every day in practice. It's fun, let's go, let's have some fun. Same thing right. with the races.
0: So, i have the, one more question about the races because the one time i saw motocross they did loop-de-loops in the air did you ever do a loop-de-loop in the air
1: oh, no, i don't did, know i didn't do stunt shows and things like that it and yeah, this was just all on the track they, there's um, a lot of they have i think motocross motor freestyle mm. moto x freestyle they do tricks and things but I, no I never was a trick a trick jumper uh, i wasn't even that good at at the jumps just good enough to make it around the track and compete <laughs>
0: So how do you get into MMA? That feels like a hugely interesting thing.
1: Um, well, it kind of...
0: I guess you have the wrestling background, so you're already kind of involved in some level of competitiveness.
1: Yeah, that's that's how it all started, because uh, even though I only did wrestling for two years, so it was almost like I was still searching for something else. Like, I, I was just getting started. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm really good at this. Like... Now what do i do i'm out of high school i mean i'm not good enough to go wrestle for a division one college or anything so what do i do
0: <laughs> so how <laughs> guy, do you so i got into
1: brazilian jiu-jitsu
0: okay so you started training i got it into...
1: they had a guy um luckily and we're weird roundabout and stuff all ties together too where uh whenever i was 18 getting out of high school i, I decided okay i'm gonna do brazilian jiu-jitsu i'm gonna go check it out it's, it's kind of similar to wrestling just you can choke people out and break people's legs and arms instead and on top of wrestling. it's so I'm like, cool, let's go see. I mean, it's the closest thing I can do to actual wrestling. And so I'm gonna see if I like it. And I did that. And then I started, I started excelling my, my wrestling helped me out a lot in that. Cause I mean, a lot of people in judo they were good at judo, but they've never wrestled before. So you have more of that. It's more of an explosive kind of aggressive culture in wrestling than it is in judo. Judo is more patient, technical. Wrestling's more i'm gonna stay in your face and i'm gonna make you uncomfortable mm. so blending those two together i think it's, it's a good mesh um, but it started there and then um, we had a couple guys that jim um, i went to the guy that owned it he um he's our jiu instructor he's now a he was a state trooper and a judge in lee county now he's at well, now he's a judge 20 year, 15 20 years later yeah he, uh, he got me into it like he was really really good his brother-in-law was a guy named travis luter who fought you watch um, UFC or MMA or anything at all?
0: I do not, but somebody in the chat does, so you should definitely run this.
1: Okay, well, <laughs> this is an interesting story for anyone that does. Um, they've watched it for a while and understand it. This um, There's a guy named Anderson Silva, who a lot of people consider one of the best mixed martial artists ever to fight. He's from Brazil. i a real good Muay Thai kickboxer. But... The guy that um, the guy that trained me the first time, his brother-in-law, his name was Travis Luter, and he won one of the first, might might have been the first or one of the first Ultimate Fighter series. They had basically a competition to you fight your way up to this tournament to get into the UFC. And so if you win the show, you get to fight the champion in that weight class. And they, Anderson Silva was the middleweight champion. Basically, no one could touch him. He was just destroying everyone at the time. And then um, what's called my my instructor, his brother-in-law ended up winning the show and fought anderson silva and he actually i mean he, he lost the fight and he he can't he was a little bit overweight so it wouldn't have mattered anyways because he came in overweight but um yeah he fought anderson silva and he actually gave him a run for his money because this guy's a travis Luter's a um real distinguished um black belt in jiu-jitsu i mean he's competed all over the world won world titles in
0: jiu-jitsu so lanson who brought it up or who knows about this says he's heard of travis
1: okay um, yeah, yeah, Travis Lutter, I, I think he's a, I know he's won, I think IB, JJF, um, Nationals over there, um, cross seas and whatnot. He's, he's a really, really good practitioner. If, you've been, if you're if you anywhere around you did sue, then yeah, you'll know who Travis Lutter is. And I'm sure anyone that really follows you, the UFC and MMA in general, probably heard of him as well. But it's kind of a neat thing for a small town. He, he owns two gyms in um, Fort Worth. Travis Lutter does it right now. He still open, runs them in active league, right? It's kind of neat, because the first, I mean, I got into it that way, because they're, they're promoting a show. They actually, they, they have the gym and then they're also promoting their own shows, too, with the fights called Eagle Fight Productions. And so, they have some fights, and they say, hey, well, what, um, you wrestled and things, you wrestled and you, you do well here in the classes in jiu-jitsu, would you mind sparring with the guys a little bit to help them, like, get ready for their fights? So, yeah, okay, that's cool. I, I mean, I, I box with my friends and stuff, so I put the gloves on and start boxing. And then some of the guys are getting ready for the fight. I, I mean, they're laying into him. to hit one of the guys and drop him. <laughs> and, and, I mean, put him, on, put him on his back. And I said, have you ever thought about fighting? I said, because you got that raw, aggressive nature, and you just go for it. Like, you, you got a hard edge. You just go for it. And, you, I mean, you're athletic. So why don't you try about, why don't you think about fighting? I said, I don't know. I mean, I really, want, I mean, I enjoy fighting, but I don't really ever thought about fighting. I, mean, I just wanted to wrestle. So, but, and i got into that and ended up uh, fighting for a while i trained for about 10 years i think i fought actively for maybe six years what? it's been a little while since i've got back into it but you were like i've pro- actually
0: fighting like proper, proper mmas and stuff like how, how does that work like where would what, what was your name fighting with the mma
1: um the well i got it was a name that was given to me because these people right here um works MMA in Hobbs, New Mexico. They, um, Jimmy Jones, his brother-in-law, Travis Luger was the one that um, he kind of inspired me because I seen his Jiu-Jitsu guy and he got into it. But the first time I I fought legit MMA, like in in a cage was at the Lee County Event Center in Hobbs, over a thousand people here. It was a nice, really nice production. This was in 2009. We we have a casino in town. We went and waited in at the casinos and uh, fought there at the event center the next day. But to, to make it even more nerve-wracking I go out there, I'm fighting in front of my hometown. And then uh, I find out and Jimmy's brother-in-law, Travis Litter, is there and he's, he's there in our locker room when we're getting ready to warm up. <laughs> so he's sitting there hanging out with us, getting ready and talking to us and stuff. So it was pretty neat. Luckily, luckily, I won and knocked the guy out in the, about 20 seconds into the second round. So I got to take a deep breath and it was a great feeling being there. And then I, got, I got to meet him, do that. And then uh, a few years later, I got to meet Anderson Silva. So first gloves I ever fought in I have signed by Travis Sluder and Anderson Silva I I like to think that that is a weird tidbit because I don't know if anyone else in the country could ever say they fought the first time they ever fought and they got their gloves signed by both um, people fighting for a UFC championship especially that exact one
0: yeah that's pretty cool not for real though whenever like people have those like quirky little unique moments they're like special and there is somebody out there who's way more excited than i understand because bro i'm following it at a very top level enough to understand the significance but somebody out there's gonna be like bro that's some shit that i fucking want to eat up and that's kind of why i like doing this because like we end up just getting exposed to so much just regular passion shit um and then letter one ultimate fighter four is what i'm hearing and okay
1: yeah i wasn't sure which one it was i knew it was one of the first few but I wasn't sure at that time because whenever whenever I first got into it I really wasn't a big um, like UFC family I watched the old Matt Hughes and the Hoist Gracie days when he first started but I didn't follow it a lot until I actually started fighting and then we're watching everyone and we're actually getting the chance to train with a couple of these guys one of my buddies he he's one of the instructors for I mean we've actually got to meet Derek Lewis before people knew who Derek Lewis was and now he's a I mean, they made gifts of him because he's hilarious but a huge guy out of houston big heavyweight guy fighting for the heavyweight championship in, i think a week or two but we met him as an amateur and got to meet him in person that guy's hilarious i mean it, some some roundabout way you can get him on the show it'd be amazing he's a he's a funny yeah, funny
0: ass guy all i need is for somebody who knows him to be like bro go do this show and then him want to go do the show be like the interview is yeah. fucking great do it <laughs> that's, how, yeah. that's how it works
1: it's it would all. be, it would, yeah, that'd be an amazing show. Yeah, he, he, is, he is very entertaining.
0: Bro, I'd be like, dude, I don't know shit about what you do. You gonna break it down, and he's gonna be like, this is the strangest shit I've ever been a part of. I'm like, <laughs> yes, and that's the experience. <laughs>
1: uh, well, and the crazy thing is, this guy he's not like a what you think of ninety nine percent of a traditional MMA fighter. This guy is someone that's hits you and might just kill you. He's, he's just a natural born person. That got got hammers in his hand, and the the guy literally is. I mean, the epitome of what we're talking about—the same screw culture and Texas-made, and what you think. The guy's over here eating um, ribs and barbecue in, in between his training workouts, <laughs> like instead of and most people are eating um, tapia and rice cakes to, <laughs> and, and straight vegetables, trying to yeah, cut cut weight and everything bad. else. And he's um, able to eat, ribs, and just picking out, and then he's going to fight the next day and winning professional title.
0: <laughs> I guess that matters about watching your weight if it impacts your weight class, because if you change weight class, it could fuck up your bag.
1: Yeah, b- big time, and that's a a good. And a, I mean, actually, I think it's more of a negative in the in the sport, wrestling and in, in MMA, because um, everyone wants to get they they try to physically deplete themselves enough to get to the lowest weight class they can. To give themselves an advantage, but everyone does it, and then you get tired and burnt out, and you have no advantage, because that's that's how I first I lost my first fight that way. I won my first four, and then I went and fought in El Paso for a promotion out of Vegas, the famous Camino Real Hotel, and I fought a guy. He was based out of California, living in El Paso. Pretty good, really good fighter, good fighter, and he had I, I cut the day after New Year's. And back then, I partied on New Year's pretty hard all the time, so. <laughs> They call and say, Hey, we got a fight open for you with this guy uh, in three weeks. Do you want to take it? Yeah, sure. I fought at 185. At this time, I'm 207, 207, 209, something of the sort. Like, okay, well, 24 pounds, some, some of that, 22, 24 pounds, and I'll, uh, I can do that in three weeks. I'll be all right. <laughs> then a week before the fight, the guy says, Okay, uh, no, I'm not going to fight him at 185, which is we are fighting for a championship as well at the weight class for middleweight. He said, I don't want to do a catch weight at 177 or I'm not going to take the fight. And it's just like hip-hop. The guy's a big draw, a big venue. He's going to bring in a lot of a lot of asses in the seats. So, so, hey, this is the only way the fight's going to go down. That's what it is. You want to take it or leave it? Me being 23 at the time, 22, 23. I'm stubborn. I said, okay, I'll make it. So, I, long story short, I cut 32 pounds and first time I got beat up. But it was exhausting and horrible.
0: <laughs> hey, but that's a big lesson still is about caring about your health and doing it proper.
1: Ex that's so you can definitely die that way and there's been wrestlers and fighters die from I mean dehydration and just yeah severe weight cuts. It's it's a crazy thing.
0: No, I mean I don't know, it's like a world that I'm not that involved in, but like that's a concerning thing to think that people fuck with their weight just to like manipulate success opportunities and I don't know how many people talk about it, but I never heard about it before.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it's crazy, and it, it's kind of, now that I think about it, it was pretty, I guess, it was a pretty stupid thing to do for me. But being young and prideful, I mean, I, I've always had that competitive spirit. Well, I'm going to do what I do what I can, do what I need to to win no matter what. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to let someone else outwork me mm-hmm. in any phase of the game. And that's, to give me a competitive edge, I was like, I got to do it. Nowadays, that's why I don't fight anymore, because, I mean, whenever I, I got lucky, got to go back to college, I finished it bachelor's degree in environmental science after my little hiccup I stuck with it made, made the best of the opportunity wow. Did you say and you
0: went and got a bachelor in environmental science yes that's a huge flex that's such a cool thing you know my girlfriend already reacted that's like she's like an i speak for the trees people
1: yeah yeah, yeah cool man yeah i just um yeah it, it, was, it was neat i mean i'm not too far on one way or another but i definitely want to conserve our environment but we uh yeah, I man. I was actually went to I think last time I talked to you I was in California and I went and worked in California for two months over there helping with the people that got uh, affected by the wildfires over there cleaning up the cutting down the, clean up the trees the uh the houses the ranches things the different things up there we kind of we were the company I worked for we were through the state of California yeah they, they contracted us we we're in five different counties over there but I was over in like, Fresno I've been working in the Bay doing some other stuff, around Los Angeles, uh, Mono up by Lake Tahoe, just kinda... was over there for a couple months.
0: Yeah, that's serious. That's like... noble. That's like the noblest shit. That's like... save the world shit. Kronos be saving the (laughs) world, man. That...
1: that, It's not as noble as it sounds, I do it for the money.
0: (laughs) Bro, I mean, if you're gonna do shit for the money, and it saves the Here's world. something you like, right? You know, that's pretty fucking, like, blessed still. I mean, intrinsically well-motivated yeah, selfishly. Um, My girlfriend wants to know if you're aware of Shelby and Madison, environmental YouTubers who live out somewhere near maybe you. And I don't know. She's asking, and she lives here. Who is it? Some Shelby and Madison. I don't know.
1: Um, I'm not familiar with it, but I'll, um, I'll definitely check it out. I'll, I'll put it in my phone right now.
0: If you up on that eco life, they're eco peoples, <clears throat> and okay, like, yeah, they just like, tips and shit. And um, she's super into them. And then I absorb nice. the knowledge after she filters the pure version. And they're from Texas, because like the gotcha. pure. Because like yo, sometimes it's a lot, and I'm like, mm, minimalism is okay if you're rich, <laughs> you know? <laughs> 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 you know, like so. I don't know. Um, not to say that minimalism is bad. In, pr- in principle, it's like a fucking good thing. In practice, it's complicated and usually requires yeah. a degree of privilege to pull off. Um, anyway, so you do the MMA shit for 10 years, or you train for 10 years. So you're training for a long time, and so you build up to a point where you're able to compete, and then you're competing for six years, you said?
1: Well, um, it, it's kind of almost almost reversed. Cause I, I guess I had a little bit of a start for the, a couple years of wrestling, so actually started competing, I think three months into training, I started competing at jiu-jitsu tournaments. And then I did really, I did well at them. I actually won won a few of them, my um, the first couple of ones. And that's whenever where I live now is an hour and a half where I grew up here in Texas, they didn't have wrestling in high school. So I beat some guys that were, I mean, been doing it for a few years, two, three years already, and that were good at what they did. I'd beat him. I, I I didn't submit them or choke them out or break their arm, or anything make them tap out. But I, I mean, I was able to take them down, put them on their back and keep them from doing, I guess, beat me, I guess. <laughs> so I won that and the guys, they said, you know what? I said, where'd you learn to wrestle like that? I mean, they can't defend takedowns. I said, I wrestled at high school. Okay, well, where do you live at? Hobbs, New Mexico. Say, well, pay your gas and food and stuff like that. Would you come down here and like teach wrestling to our fighters? that was kind of kind of a neat thing that's whenever mma wasn't as big as it is now so there wasn't an mma gym in every city and everyone didn't know how to wrestle right back then it was kind of different
0: so you went and taught a whole bunch of people to wrestle that helped impact a whole cultural phenomenon in its own little way
2: <laughs>
1: um, I, I wish it was that complex but it was a, f- a few people just kind of yeah, it gave him a little bit of wrestling and gave him some, some bodies to go. and Ripple
0: effects, my guy, even if it's like a 0.00000001% impact. As
1: long as it there. has something, right? It's, yes. It exists
0: right. in the annals of footnotes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Put me in the fine print. I don't care where it's at.
0: Um, so I guess what makes you stop doing MMA? or Do you have any other like MMA highlights?
1: Um, have some yeah, just different. And, I mean, they're all. I mean, every, every experience is different. But um, yeah, second fight I fought a. Cause the first, the first fight, same same thing. It was kind of a. Go up there and the guy was the guy was two, I think two and one or three and one. He was a Hispanic guy. And he just happened to be a gangbanger. It's stereotypical because back then I mean now I've got plenty of tattoos. But back then I had no tattoos. I wasn't super big. I was wearing a baggy um, baggy sweater and whatnot. And, this guy, he had, he had 187 tattooed on his throat, he sat on his forearms and he was kind of, what you think of a stereotypical banger? And um so we get to the casino for weigh-ins. I'm sitting there just kind of real calm. I'm, I'm ready, I trained hard, I'm on weight. This guy keeps over there kind of giving me the mean stink eye, the mad dog in you type of thing. He gets on the scale and he is a big guy, but he was a little soft. I mean, he wasn't as, as prepared I felt. I get up there on the scale, I mean, once then I'm confident because, okay, I'm in the action. Like I'm just in action we get in each other's face and get up there and get on the scale give him a little traditional you know, smile for the camera type thing and, and he looks at me and I see his demeanor change a little bit we go and do the whole traditional face off you go get in each other's face and go like this and look mean, look mad or whatever for the pictures
0: Yo, what was the name of your opponent? the second one?
1: oh shoot I, the second one his name was Cole I, I, honestly I don't remember this guy's name
0: the nameless <a man>. Cole <laughs>
1: Yeah, the, the second guy, his name was Colt, um, for, Colt. He's a guy from San Antonio, but I, I can't remember this guy's name. So I, I don't know if I ever heard it again after the, the one day that I that I fought him. But um, yeah, we we fought at the the call center for that Eagles promotion right there, and that was, it was kind of cool because back two thousand nine, not everything was filmed, not everything was, so they actually got some got some pictures and stuff of the event.
0: Oh yeah, what was your it was, MMA name?
1: Uh, the, they called the Vanilla Gorilla.
0: The Vanilla Gorilla. Yeah, I don't think we actually yeah. got your name before. We started to get there, and then roundabout, we never yeah, got Yeah, we to got, got right yet.
1: on the edge, and then we got sidetracked. <laughs> we so yeah, kinda it's kinda uh,
0: the Vanilla Gorilla Lanson. <coughs> I like it. I like that a lot. That's an amazing yeah, I, name. I,
1: I'm one that I always feel like nicknames have to be given to you. You can't give yourself a nickname, so I actually didn't get my nickname until my second fight. No, my third. Second fight, yeah, because... First time I fought, I was living in Hobbs, New Mexico. I fought there, and then I had moved to West Texas in 2010, which was kind of a transition. I had my little hiccup in 2009 when I was in school. Went through it, then I, trans- I moved to Texas, about an hour, hour and a half away. Went over there, continued school over there at the University of Texas, in the Permian Basin. So I started a new, uh, started at a new gym over there because I'd been training maybe a year and a half, two years at that point. So I moved to a new community and went to this place called Roughhouse MMA with Brian Pierce. And I ended up staying there for about the remainder of the time that I, that I trained. So I went over there and then we go to a fight back in New Mexico to a show and all and instructor professors there, Ruben, Ruben Yamas and they're from the works. And then they're talking, we're all talking to each other, being friendly. Hey, I like got a reunion type thing. Hey, how's it going? I not seen you in a while. How's, how's everything going? you got fighting tonight, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then um, I guess he had told, um, I guess they'd always call me the vanilla gorilla, just joking around, because being a wrestler and being really, really pale, they said, man, you're you're always, you're freakishly strong. I mean, back then I was 195, 200 pounds, go up against guys 275 and put them on their back and keep them down and match match them. They'd say, say, I just, I mean, real, real aggressive, like a gorilla, just grab you and whatever, go from there, so and I, I'd always laugh because I was like you guys are dumb call me Vanilla Gorilla that's, that's goofy so the, I, I walk out and then to the second fight they do the music and whatnot and they call you out on there and they say like, coming up next uh, um, Justin the Vanilla Gorilla Nixon." and they're like and I was like what the hell <laughs> I turned around like what the hell's going on who, who, who told them that so I guess the, um, my old instructor went and told the new coach and, and they, they gave it to the DJ to announce
0: it. and it just stuck it's not stuck. Yeah.
1: yeah, I went from there. I just went ahead and decided to embrace it after a few years.
0: And so um, you won that second fight because you won your first four fights.
1: Yeah, I won that one. That was, that was a good one. Uh, that was an interesting one as well because my opponent, back then, things weren't as uh, sanctioned as they are now. Now they've got a whole lot of rules to regulate everything. Back then, my opponent changed three times within 24 hours. We went to the weigh-in. I was supposed to fight another guy that was a wrestler there, and then for whatever reason, he was a hometown guy. They switched him, gave me another guy, because by the time I fought my second fight, I'd already been training three or four years or something. because I only fought about once a year because I was in school and everything else. I'd, I'd maybe fight once a year because I just didn't have time to travel, didn't have time between studying. And so so this time, um, we're leaving the hotel to go to the arena to the fight yeah. or the day of the fight. And I'm, I'm talking to this guy I knew from Lubbock, Texas. He's a coach over there. And he said, hey, so, hey what's up, Justin? How you doing? Who are you fighting tonight? I said, oh, I think some guy out of your camp, um, they got Eagles in So who's going to, So, who's that? And they, nah. he's like, no, no, he, he's like, because I competed against the coach in like a jiu tournament. He's like, no, no, he's like, I can't let you fight him. He's like, I, I can't, because um, the, the guy, this is going to be his first fight. He'd only been training six months and I, I mean, he wasn't real athletic is is a real real green, real beginner. So he said, it's just not a good matchup. I mean, he's I mean, he a good coach. So he said, I don't, I'm not going to put him through that. We have to they so to the promoter and said, hey, I'm not going to let it happen. So I'm, I'm a little irritated because I mean, I've already cut weight. gone went through all that to train for the fight and now I don't have a fight. But they finally found me a, another guy to fight and kickbox. and I ended up uh, getting him in a submission. We went to the ground, scrambled around. I rolled off my back and got him in an armbar. got him to tap out early in the second round. So, yeah, it was kind of interesting. It was a lot different from the first one, but a whole new experience.
0: How many fights do you end up doing?
1: <clears throat> Only six.
0: Still, those are all, like, cool. That's, like, a, a serious thing. So, what's your final record? Uh, four and two. Yeah, that's solid stills, man. That means you, uh... I would gamble on you winning. That seems like the safer bet.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I'd gamble on winning for sure. But because yeah, I feel like even the the sixth fight, the the fifth the fifth fight, I definitely got the best of me. Yeah. I, mean, I was still going. The ref called it off. We were both standing up. But, yeah, that guy, he was giving some good shots on me. He was a he was a tough fighter. And the sixth fight, his um, the guy that fought his older brother was actually on the Ultimate Fighter as well. I fought him in his hometown and uh. As, a, as an amateur, in some organizations, you're not allowed to elbow on the ground. And then this guy in the second round, I took him down, took his back, and I started. came body and started elbowing him in the temple, elbowing him on the ground like that. And, uh, and so I stopped it, and they ended up deducting a whole round from me there. And it's only a three-round fight. So I ended up losing a split decision. I had won on one of the judges' cards and then lost the other two by one point because of that round.
0: Mm very important yeah
1: that was last time because i ended up um, tearing up my knee in that fight and then after that i was like you know i I'm, i'd almost finished school and i was like okay now it's time to i need to make money and start kind of focusing more on things i still went and trained for about three or four years i just didn't fight anymore
0: so basically if i understand correctly you have a little injury you have a moment where not following the rules cost you a fight and you decided to go save the world with eco-friendly moves
1: <laughs> there, there we go yeah. we we'll roll that sounds good we'll roll
0: with that i mean it is what it is man you could have chosen anything in life and you chose to go learn about the fucking planet and shit so that's really respectful and should be highlighted in this era like i'm sitting here going yo it's fucking hot like in ways that is not natural for like montreal and it's kind of problematic so anybody yeah. that's invested in that shit with the way the world's going yo it hit 45 degrees celsius which is just hotter than normal hot as fuck for whatever it is in fahrenheit i don't fucking know what it is somebody else can google that basically like well over 100 and it was like a record high and i'm like that was today on the other side of canada and it might fuck up the crops and shit so i'm like yo we need people to give a fuck about the planet like that that's all i'm trying to say oh yeah yeah i mean it's it
1: sure is not where i live right here all yeah. right I know that's the texas it is it's
0: 113 it fahrenheit
1: it was 113 where you
0: at not me but on the other side of canada we're like a little Man. closer to 100 i think or whatever but like the other side of canada yo it's never been that hot that's scary that's crazy right like, yeah, yeah
1: that's, that's hot as hell
0: that's not supposed to happen cool. in our part part of the the north america <laughs> like we're... yeah yeah
1: let's go we're, yeah, we're What's go we're over here in uh, yeah, we're over here in the desert and it's um, probably I mean every now and again it, it stays about a hundred or more through the summer most days but um yeah I, I was working somewhere in this little little town called warla doing an uh, excavation on a gasoline spill the other day and um it was hundred 11 100, 114 degrees that day and I said man this is too hot especially standing on lichy because you, you sit there and you take the temperature gun and shoot the ground it'd be 163 degrees. Because the, like the sand
0: and the and uh, rock is really hot. It's, it's, I don't know. It's just stuff I think a lot more. Mostly my girlfriend cares, so when she cares, I listen to it. And inevitably, I picked it up. Um, but yeah, so you're doing that. And then you finish the MMA. That's a huge passion. I assume this whole time you're bumping music proper. Oh, yeah. What was your entrance song?
1: <laughs> I, I, I actually came out to a new I tried um, coming out to a new song almost every single time one time I came out to uh, one that they made um, Roy Jones Jr uh, the boxer Roy Jones Jr made a song with I think Youngbloods called Can't Be Touched and I, I came out to that one one time I came out to Waka Flocka Brick Squad one time Hey, <laughs> Young Money Brick Squad yeah, kinda, it, that song always got me hyped up Came out to "Go to Sleep" by Eminem one time. Um, came out to DMX one time. Gonna make me lose your mi- lose my mind. open you. Yep. Came out to that one one time. Man, there's one more but I can't. I, think, I can't remember what it was though.
0: Fair. So what what makes you decide to start rapping? Because you you've basically done a whole lot of nifty shit, and now you're out there eco planeting how do you get to the point where like you're fucking rapping like that's a i would say in this case it's a bit of a pivot it's a bit of it's a bit of an unexpected pivot
1: (laughs) well the weird thing is i mean i guess it's pretty generic to say but everyone picked up something new in covid (laughs) it's kind of about the time um but it it wasn't because of that i'd always um one of my favorite rappers is um, Ritz and I've seen, I've seen him live five or six times and I got to meet him, hang out with him, take a shot with him and one time and met him up in Dallas, Texas and we are we down there. And, uh, and then there's this guy who now, me and him have been friends for six or seven years. We travel together, hang out. We've gone to shows together. We went to the Gathering of the Juggalos 2019 for the 20th anniversary. You got to
0: go to the, the Gathering of the Juggalos? Okay, now you we got, got to perform pause. there
1: too for two days.
0: <laughs> you got to perform at the gathering.
1: Well, I, I was a, I was a hype man because I wasn't rapping at that time, but I, I, I was. Bro, we had a few guys. I like don't even care guys. if
0: nobody else cares. You got to tell me about the gathering of the juggalos and your experience with that. I don't give a <laughs> fuck how long it takes. It is a lifelong <laughs> goal of mine to go to this motherfucker. I would have put it on a credit card in 2020 type things, but then COVID. Like that's how fucking ready i was for the gathering because like i've been every year wanting to do this for so fucking long. it looks like the lydia shit ever
1: yeah i'm gonna try to um i've got the contact i'm gonna try to get um actually perform there this year hopefully
0: oh, that's so fucking serious okay so how do you end up like doing that
1: well and, and that's the thing too because like growing up i'm not i mean i'm not a juggalo but man i love the experience it was one of the best and I and i've been to hundreds of live music um, venues from rock to metal to rap to r&b to country and i'd probably say it's the best festival and best music experience i ever had it was amazing
0: the best concert i've been to hands down in my life is the great Malenko tour in 2019 when they came to montreal and they sprayed me with fucking fago and like yo first of all that album's banging so it's a great album to see perform live but like it's hard to describe the fago experience until you're really in it crazy i have like video of me getting hit in the face with fago and it's like incredible except (laughs) my phone's waterproof so i'm like fuck that we going in on this filming shit (laughs) and uh man it was beautiful and just the whole like theater of it all like the spectacle like yo they took this for funs bar up in montreal which a lot of people don't utilize correctly turned it into a whole experience bro by the time it was done there was this much fago on the fucking floor of the bar like it was serious it was the best show i've been to like and then you might not like it after when you're sticky on the subway but that's what (laughs) Uh,
1: only people who know know exactly what you're talking about yeah that 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 is a fun time and a nasty feeling (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right so yeah tell us about the gathering though for real
1: well have you ever heard of um, odd squad family yes they, they got the guy nubs he has no arms no legs snowman albino and then um, a factor we we performed on thursday up there on the shazam stage and okay i guess going back real quick before i roll with that i'll say how i started rapping was with my buddy trouble oak he promoted rich came to he lived, he's from Hobbs, new mexico my hometown but me and him didn't know each other. He's a hip hop artist over there named Trouble Oak. He's been doing it for 20 years. He does a lot lot of different things. He has his money side records, a studio and everything. So I'd always, um, he promoted Ritz. He came to seven years ago, came to Ha, or came to Odessa. I was promoting, I was like, oh shoot, Ritz is performing in Hobbs? Yeah, I I gotta go get some tickets. So I hit this guy up for my the promotion online. We ended up shooting pool all night, and then we ended up teaming up and playing some cowboys in pool all night and beat him and drank tequila for free, five hours <laughs> and then we got to talking music. I mean, he, I mean of course, he loves hip hop and so do I. So I mean, hey, we, we became friends. And then I work in Hobbs a lot with, with for what I do for work, I, especially back then I used to travel. You know, I'd go over there to a the studio and hang out, go eat, play dominoes and we'd sit there and I'd watch him record people because I mean, he's an engineer, he produces beats and everything. We'll sit there and um, I'll watch him make beats. I'll watch him record himself, record other people or we'll just listen to music. Take 9, Ritz, um, whatever, System of a Down, <laughs> a little, little bit of everything. We got to hang out and stuff, and then became pretty good friends. And then one day, we are sitting in there for, I mean, years later, start freestyling and stuff, and uh, he said, why, why don't you ever think about recording a song? So, I don't know. Never really crossed my mind. <laughs> I mean, never really figured <laughs> I could sing much. or I mean, I, I didn't even think it's any good. He it's nice. said, it's dope, man. So I said, okay, it's all. I'll give it a try and so I was at the gym, see, I kind of put that on the back burner for a little bit. I was at the gym one day running working out and stuff and I started listening to some Wu-Tang Clan. Sitting there, listening to Wu-Tang and was like, you know what? Hey, let start, I just listened to the beat in between sets or something, I'd sit there on my phone and started like jotting down lyrics to that I was like, what would it be like to kind of put together the thoughts of a song? I don't, know, I don't even know how to put a song together, but what would be the thoughts of it? So I started going there, do, 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 do. I write a little song and I, I hit him up and say, hey, what would you charge me to, to make me a beat and then do a verse on it and say, he gives me a number. It's okay, that's, that, that's more than reasonable, let's do it. I wanna try it, I wanna test myself. So that, that's how um, that's how I born, but now we fast forward back to the gathering. Mm-hmm. And um, I went with him, he said, because we're pretty good friends at this point, it's five years later, he said, hey, um, we're sitting at Applebee's having a beer and he took a shot and he said, you wanna to go to the gathering of the juggalos? And I'm like, what? What do you mean go to the gathering of the juggalos in Indiana? I mean, because Indiana is yeah, 15 hours away or so 18 hours away. I've never been to Indiana in my life. He said, You wanna to go to the gathering of the juggalos in Indiana? I was like, hmm, maybe. So I look at the lineup and start seeing this, okay. I'm going to go, of course ICP and then uh, start seeing uh, more stay in the times, war. And I see Bone Thugs, Tech 9 Twisted Insane, Odd Squad Family. I was like, hey, let's go. I was like, that's, that's such, I mean, that's right up my alley. Just a big, huge, diverse lineup of music of every, like, every genre. So, like, this sounds amazing. And I've always heard about it. I was like, I want to go check out the experience. Like, I want to go meet, like, hang out there and see what it's like. Awesome. We get there the first day, and he performed on the Shazam stage. I think we got there, like, I think... 4 o'clock we performed at like five o'clock on thursday i think it, this is maybe the second day of yeah. gathering no we perform one day on wednesday and then one day on friday so yeah wednesday we get there about five o'clock and they perform on the secondary stage not the huge main stage but at the still a big yeah. stage up there i mean nicest stage i'd ever been on or ever been on to this day but yeah, we go up there and then they give us our own little, little trailer and stuff so it says money side Musical. we get to use it for four hours before and after a little bit to hang out and party and whatnot it was cool and uh it was him one of our buddies roast joker uh, another artist smooth gambino and dj foulmouth we all kind of traveled together up there like a, like a big ass road trip so um, yeah we and everything and then the next day because I, I was a big odd squad fa- um, fan me and my wife listened to him liked him a lot we're sitting there um after the performance stuff he had set up his little merch booth and whatnot out there Some CDs and shirts he'd made. And then um, had a canopy and sold, sold loaks, and, and we're sitting there and then I look over here like this, see, uh, see Nubs and Snowman walking over here and A-Factor right behind him. Like, what the hell? <laughs> that's cool. Cause I mean, that, that's one of the people I was excited to see on the, on the show that I really wanted to go for. So they stopped by the booth and then yeah, Nubs didn't have any glasses. So we gave him a pair of lokes and we ended up sitting there over here, I can't smoke because of work, but I mean, everyone was, I mean, rolling blood, smoking, had seven-foot bong. Uh, but yeah, we sit there and finished a bottle of Ciroc Redberry, and Me and Odd Squad family, <laughs> while, they, while they're sitting there smoking with our other friends and DJ and stuff. So it, it was a pretty co- cool, surreal experience. And then uh, they said, "Hey, well, they said, you know what? If you ever get into music, let us know, and we'll uh, we'll get you we'll get you a feature." So that's on that time travel album, I got a, a verse from Nubs. And then on the Trials and Tribulations album, I did a verse with Snowman. And I was like, to me, as an artist, like, back then, I didn't even know I was going to make music. It's kind of cool to, like, fast forward two years later. Okay, now I got a song with these guys that I that I, I looked up to and, like, loved their music. Kind of impacted my life. I was like, that's pretty pretty cool journey and, like, thing to actually put into real time. Like, it wasn't like, okay, I met him at a show and talked to him for... Five seconds and took a picture i got to sit there for an hour
0: and a half and laugh and hang out with it just goes yeah, to show easy. like the power of festivals in general yeah definitely maybe not so much the Coachellas. i don't really know what the vibe is like there but <clears throat> more of those like underground festivals that like are more like that that are more like you could turn around and the motherfuckers right there wanting to party with you for some random reason so I. Hey, possibly-
1: do you know um have you ever listened to kung fu vampire Yes. I'm yeah, saying that we 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 actually because um, the guy I'm talking about, Trouble, he produces or he promotes shows over there in New Mexico. So one of the shows I went and performed at on Thursday, but he's brought down like Busy Bone, Devin the Dude, Ritz, um, and Kung Fu Vampire has been there like three or four times. And his drummer Brandon, I wish sit there and we'd hang out with them and drink with them at the bar before and after they perform. And it was kind of cool going to the gathering, and then they recognize us there from some some tour stop in New Mexico that they're hanging out. Hey, you the guy from Hobbs, right? And we'd sit there and talk, and we're hanging out with Kung Fu Vampire and his drummer watching ICP up on the stage. And um, I think I think it was um, Vin- Vinny Paws and uh, Ari the Rugged Man, Jedi Mind Tricks.
0: Still, that's fucking yeah, blessed.
1: Yeah, Jedi Mind Tricks was performing, and we're sitting there hanging out with Kung Fu Vampire and his drummer, Brandon.
0: <laughs> that's like one of those stories that would make a lot of people super jealous that you got to experience
1: it was it, it was an unreal experience too. Cause I mean, me, me, like, I like, like in wrestling and having like just aggressive nature, I love the mosh pit, but it, it was cool. Cause over there, cause everyone moshes, but everyone's super cool. Like no one like gets mad. And it, I mean, it was one of the like freest environments I've ever been in. Like anything and everything you could see goes on, but no one gives a shit about anything they, they worry about themselves and they have a good time. And no yeah. one worries about shit.
0: That's serious. And you got the wrestling and everything else, like it's just like a vibe. I don't know. I've watched oh, the, a lot. The,
1: the, the mosh was awesome, man. I just sit there, I just take my shirt off sometimes, just, just like hang out and fucking listen to music, party, going and mosh. And that me and the guy Roach Joker, we made a song together called Mosh Pit Music. And that actually whole song is made off of what happened at the gathering because every time I saw a mosh pit, they're like, You're a crazy fucker. Because every time I got, go find say a mosh pit, I'd go get in it and have some fun. And they're like, ah, we're gonna get all exhausted or get beat up.
0: Nah, I, I hit like, the to point me, like, where, like, I don't mind, like, being in the pit, but not, like, the part where it's scary. That's not my yeah. favorite. I want to be on the outskirts where you just yeah, bump you're, into a bounce a little bit here and there. And... Yeah, because I'm, like, 5'7 yeah. and uh, not that muscly. So it doesn't sound fun to get the shit kicked out of me yeah. in the pit, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's definitely yeah. Either it's you either have to hate it or love it. But sometimes I'm the same way. I get tired, and I just wanna, I want to go bounce around. I don't want to go in there every time and like mm. bang and lower my shoulder. And
0: but don't get me wrong. I want to be in it, just not like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. When the it, it, you it, see a great. circle form, I'm like, fuck that. Let me navigate that way a little bit. And then you yeah. just gotta deal with the squished, the unsquished, the squished, the unsquished, because the circle squishes you. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Yeah, the, the first mosh pit I ever got into, it
0: actually wasn't too, too long,
1: I mean, six, seven years ago, we went to River City Rockfest, and I think it was Five Finger Death Punch, and I, I moshed for like six songs, and I was like, where have I been? Where, where's this been my whole life? <laughs> this is mm-hmm. awesome. And I, I got to mosh at, at Metallica at um, Cowboy Stadium in Dallas.
0: I know my first one was the Vans Warped Tour of 06, in their Montreal. Oh, Nice, some of
1: those cool.
0: I just have this vivid memory. Uh, it was like less than Jake or somebody like that starts playing and like me and the girl I was dating at the time are standing at an appropriate distance away from the crowd cause she has this phobia where the mosh pits is of a huge, no, this, that, the next thing. We turn around and it's like a sea of giant, like mid thirties at this time, tattooed men just are barreling It was like for her the most terrifying experience of her fucking life. And then you got nowhere to go but into that crowd. And then I had to, like, get her out of it, and it was, like, a serious I mean, It was, for me, amazing. That was fun. That was a great experience. <laughs> but I, um yeah, to me, it's, it, it's like, it's great. Just, like, where else can you kind of legally bump into people in aggressive ways? And, like, let's say somebody yeah. does bother you, you can give them a little fucking nudge a little bit. And,
1: <laughs> and the, this will sound even crazier, but, I mean, it's a gathering of the Juggalos, so what do you expect? especially when we start we you ever listen to it that is a kind of like a, I guess metal trap or trap um I don't, I don't, ghost main like that type yeah, of music
0: i know what that is yes i like it
1: yeah they, they had ghost main was up there performing at the gathering too and they had the lights going the bass was i mean it is insane there's a crazy mosh pit we went out there went out there and just it, moshed out there for that and then in the middle of that people were throwing fireworks like mortar shell artillery shells in the middle of the mosh pit <laughs> like little grenades <laughs> it, it, it was insane like, yeah. and of course people get hit the head with fago and i mean sometimes full two liter fago bottles and it was i don't know wild. if
0: i'm i don't know if i'm young enough for that level of fucking mosh pit to be honest with you um <laughs> yeah,
1: it was it, it was a little bit crazy it wasn't like that at every mosh pit but once you got towards the end of the mm. weekend and it was like the main main stage i mean because people sit out there and they bring their own like i say anything goes like anything goes i mean i can picture
0: where certain intoxicants might make you a little bit more aggressive than the ones i fuck with especially if anything goes
1: Uh, and and by the very end of it um, they had bonfires with picnic tables big old fires were set in the middle of the crowd while people were out there mushing and stuff it was it it was nuts oh my gosh
0: so you're saying dip out before the last day of the gathering if you want to go
1: well, if you want, if you want to see the the Fago Armageddon and ICP, you got to wait till the last day, but that's when all the crazy shit happens. <laughs>
0: that's fair. I mean, it's like you want to see it, but you don't want to be like like I don't know, I have like mixed feelings, but I'm sure if I was there I'd be fucking in the vibe. Like how could you miss it? Like that's yeah,
1: it. You kind of just get caught up in the in the moments, I mean, it, I
0: it's, it's just love. legitimately watched multiple of their gathering of the Juggalo performances on YouTube because their showmanship at that. Like they go in they treat that shit like vince mcmahon treats wrestlemania Mm -hmm. like it's fucking cool like almost no i would say like a lot of people might hate their music but as an independent artist watching what they did with that it took them 15 years to make it profitable and then it became profitable like that's like fucking amazon type shit losing money on some shit for 15 years before it becomes profitable that's like yo i saw them doing this kind of and it just inspired me a lot i'm like but yo mm-hmm. juggalos will fucking die for icp
1: it's crazy it is crazy how much loyalty they built, and that, that to me alone that's what that's where i get the respect for respect for the brand respect for the music and respect for juggalos is because first of all being there was an amazing experience the people were freaking awesome I mean, I don't know how many times we whooped, but it was a lots of, lots of whoop-whoops. I couldn't even be <laughs> more by the end of the, the weekend. And the, the people were awesome. The show was great. I mean, just kind of the free atmosphere and how all the artists, is kind of like one of those times where literally everyone gathers and comes together and puts man. all the bullshit aside and just has fun.
0: That's super blessed. I'm going to try and get myself down there one time. I know for a fact the girlfriend won't come, so I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to get down there and whoop. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> um you definitely you did not make my case easier of convincing her to go i promise you that much Uh,
1: (laughs) i mean it's really really tame and the music is uh, awesome
0: (laughs) (laughs) nah i mean she can google everyone can google it i I was recently (laughs) like chila tequila fan the juggalos butchered her (laughs) on state i mean like shit man juggalos can be (laughs) honest
1: (laughs) <laughs> I don't think it, I, I, that, that, that was a crazy um, thing I, i've I read that story too but yeah I, I think as a whole it's not that's not what you should expect no,
0: no i feel like it's more like i don't know outcast outcasting that would be more like what i would expect um all right so how do you end up getting into music it was, it's after that after you go to the gathering you actually get into right, covid so you've gone to the gathering you've been a hype man and you met a bunch of famous people and party with them all right so i can see how maybe you're feeling a bug when COVID kicks in and you get free time a little bit later on right because it's what eight months later mm-hmm. something like that
1: yeah yeah seven eight months later because august of 2019 that is the and the cool thing is we got to perform as the um, the 20th annual the super gathering which is the 20th one that had so they went big on the whole thing and say so same thing I got i mean yeah it was just a real inspiring experience because i got to meet twisted insane as well and he was one of my favorite rappers beforehand. And now, got, me and him and Trouble Hope did a song together on one of Trouble's beats. So. Yeah, yeah it was series. really good.
0: My homeboy Chris Chrome was going to edit this going to trip balls, and I'm going to get a DM when he gets to this part of the video. I promise.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's a Twisted Insane fan. Yeah, big time. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we made a song called Computer Screens. It's definitely dark and fits the vibe of what he goes with. I uh, and mean, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I'll if he wants to just let me know and i'll shoot him a link he absolutely
0: since. fucking wants it i promise <laughs>
1: yeah I, I guess later on today or tomorrow i'll shoot you a link of it um whatever whatever listening thing we can do that's but,
0: fresh um, man no but that's cool how, so how did you get a feature with twisted insane
1: hey kind of s- same way um was just at the and like i got the feature from two guys from watch Squad, family nubs and snowman two of the three just by hanging out with them and after Twisted and Sands performance, he came over there to the side of the stage and was hanging out, talking to everyone. And then, uh, so I went and met him over there, and the same thing. I just kind of talked to him, like back and forth, BS a little bit. He say, "He's like, if you ever, ever need a feature, holler at me. I'll get you a good price." He's bro, like,
0: all, bro, all I'm saying is, all I gotta do is go to the gathering to meet these people.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, just go to the gathering and interact and have fun. And
0: oh, uh, and just, we got at, two go questions ahead. from the crowd. I'm telling you people don't get it this is the perfect interview we barely talk about music shit it's just regular people shit all day long and then people stay interested because they don't know what's coming next honestly this is the ideal thing for me <laughs> um, oh dude
1: it's awesome i mean we're yeah, two hours later and i hadn't even had to really think about it i've probably been rambling more than i need to
0: nah it's perfect that's what you want um so uh what's your favorite twisted insane project
1: <sighs> mm I really like that, um, the the double album, the, the Insane, Asi- Insane Asylum was really good. I really like that one. But I'm going to say since I got into Twisted Insane later on in my life, I, I'm probably most impacted, especially because he had Ritz on there. I'm a huge Ritz fan. I'm a, the Sig James is probably my favorite one. He did that mm-hmm. dual one, cool album a couple of um, Octobers ago.
0: And the other question is, how do you feel about – trying out battle rapping, because with your energy you might do pretty well with that.
1: You know what, that's something I've um, I've thought about in the past. So I think it would be fun. But also, a lot of times, um, when it comes to music, I kind of like to get away from the like, the aggressive confrontation. I like making aggressive music, but I feel like I don't, I don't think I'd want to, I think it would kind of dampen music for me a little bit as far as ba- battle rapping, because it kind of bring me into something that i'm kind of already intertwined with and, and sometimes i don't know how i take it i think i might get more into my personal feelings like a little irritated and kind of aggressive and feeling disrespected i don't really like that feeling so mm. i don't I, I, it's not something that i'd um, say i would never do but it's not something i'm really too interested
0: in i empathize entirely um because personally yeah, I, 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 I feel
1: personally. like i, I want to get get mad get into a fight or something so not, i mean and you're like how easy is
0: what it is i'm gonna be real with you i would go battle with somebody that I liked. They would say some shit that would hit me. Like they would come mm-hmm. up with some shit, just some shit that they knew would get me, and it would get me. I would never motherfucking talk to them again for the rest of my life. Yeah, I'm fucking petty like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be. I'm one of the people that I, I can definitely forgive easy, but I'll never forget no matter what. So I, I might still be cool and them, but it'll always be in the back of my mind like this motherfucker <laughs>
0: yeah, i feel <laughs> he that had to though. go
1: there he had to go there
0: all right so how did you get into music like so covid kicks in how do you actually get to a point where you're like i'm gonna fucking be a rapper now
1: well yeah that time went to trouble Hook's studio sitting in there and uh, we're just talking he's like why don't you ever record a song if you ever want to man i'll make you a beat or something i'll make you a custom beat and uh, just let me know and I'll, I'll help you out all right cool It's a uh, one day it just clicks. So I'm at the gym working out, listening to Wu-Tang clan. Wu Tang clan and then um, what's the other guy's name? Ace Ace Hood one of his songs came on. I was just listening to different type of beats, different styles, different errors, and uh I started like just thinking of things like lyrics in my head. It's just kind of a little story, stuff that was on my mind, da 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 and I was sitting there going and I'm like, all right. That, that's that's uh, at that exact moment I, I messaged my buddy hey said, hey what's up and uh so what would you what would you think about making me a beat and doing a verse on the song if i were to put one together he said, hey I'm with it man he's like he's I told you he's like you should try to try it and see if you like it so I did it first experience was horrible I hated it
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> 73 songs later here we are
0: <laughs> i mean okay so tell us about the horrible first experience.
1: Well, to, I mean, cause to me, I've never, I mean, I've always listened to music, but I've never thought about it as far as composing music and putting it together myself. And so, like, to me, the bars, I don't feel were horrible, but the delivery thing was something different, like trying to, like, I overrode everything to, to get it to actually sound smooth and flow on the beat. I could get on beat, but there'd always be parts where I'd just mess up. And even back then, I was like, I don't want to punch anything in. I mean, it was like
0: stubborn. Just so they couldn't Classic beginner rapper moves.
1: <laughs> yeah, stubborn. I was like, I want to put the whole 16 in there without punching anything in. And I was like, at that point, it's more about what can I do, not what what can it sound like. So it's I'm not like. I'm ah, a you said
0: it perfect. I know a <laughs> lot of people who are like that. I used to be a lot more like that. I'm still, okay, I'm lying. I'm in the process of learning how to be more about what it sounds like than what I can do. It's a yeah. process.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you got it. You, there's a breakthrough. You got to get past something because I finally, okay, I don't care if I, if I got to punch in eights and eights or even fours and, fours and fours and fours and fours, then I'll do it, as long as everything sounds cohesive and it sounds good. If it sounds better that way, I'll do it. And so, yeah, we we get there, and uh, I was literally we recorded a song on my first album, still on there, um, Father Time, the present album, because I did a dual album when I first started i'm real stubborn whenever i get into something i really like hone in and focus on it so i made 23 23 tracks in three months when i first started
0: 23 tracks in three months was it that out with your boy
1: um no um i did it at a few different studios one i got another buddy that i've known that he's dj'd our party since he's like 14 he's a really good producer he does a lot of my beats um tr- they call him Ziller or A track yeah so yeah it's a cool little studio over there so I recorded a few songs over there and uh but I recorded them almost every single one over there at that Money Side studio with my buddy Trouble Oak. so I did those and then I from there I branched out and got a few different beats from different people here and there but to me my whole kind of journey of the sort is um uh,
0: so how, how do you come- how do you get the beats like how do you meet these people do you just know them or do you like reach out over the internet or like how do you actually get a to that little. part?
1: You know and it's and it's kind of the same thing with fighting. I met a lot of people, networked, and met a lot of people through the fighting game. Music has been the same way. I've met some people that I would never do business with, and I really wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't want to be friends with because there's a lot of assholes in this game. But mm. there's a lot of people that are really genuine, and it's cool meeting the people that have the same love for music as you. So, I, like some of these guys are, I met them friends of friends. Like I've got a guy. He's done eight or nine beats for me now, Endless Misfit. I met. I barely met him in person. I performed in Lubbock on Saturday. And that was the first we've been working together for over a year. And that's the first time I met him in person. He came out to support and watch me at a show in Lubbock because that's where he lives at. And he's, he, so we met in person there. And, I mean, he's a cool dude. So, we, I mean, we've always worked together. We're actually doing a song together now, too. One yeah, of his of albums.
0: All right, we see. met him.
1: One of the other guys that went to the gathering with us, DJ Foulmouth, he makes beats too, so he's got a couple of um, beats, some, some groovy kind of West Coast type of thing. So I've got some from him, a lot of them from Trouble Oak. One of his friends who's a bit, actually living in Odessa now, a guy named uh, Smoke to the Cilling Beats, um, Nick Stevenson. I never met this guy and he'd made 13 beats for me. And first time I met him was helping him, I, I, I went and picked up a couch for him because he, he his truck was not work and he didn't have a truck. So I went and picked up a couch and took it an hour away to where he lives. Then we hung out and talked more, but we've done a lot of business. He's done a lot of, some of them mix and mastering, uh, cover arts for the trials and tribulations stuff. He did that whole project, the beats, the cover art, the mix and the mastering. And he's, he did a lot of my first beats on that first album too. He's a friend of Trouble Yeah. And then I've met some people along the way from there, different states from that, bring the bars group, uh, like they got Genesis. We've, um, done, I think we've got four or five, six beats from him that, that i working on some new projects. But mostly, I just try to keep it, like, either friends or friends of friends, people local, like West Texas, Southeast New Mexico. I do a lot of my collabs there uh, to kind of help network, like, together, because, I mean, there's a lot of dope artists around there. Mm. Just to kind of, hey, expose them to different crowds of people that I know.
0: So as you're coming into this in COVID, then, is the internet basically the main way you're networking at this point?
1: Yeah, networking and word of mouth, because, I mean, that's the like the first time video that I did was the third song I recorded rolling around and actually made it two songs into one video. There's another one with that guy lonely that I was talking about greenhouse. Yeah, it's called um, Watch Your Step. And we made it in, it's like two similar, but completely different concepts. And we made it into one video. And so that we actually recorded that during COVID over there. And uh, and then it goes on the internet. Everyone wants to watch it because I mean, people who know me as Justin the, the wrestler, or Justin the football player, mm. Justin the guy that rides motorcycles, or Justin the guy from school, or I mean, they, they know me as a bunch of different things. They, like, what the hell is going on? This guy's rapping. So, I mean, that one I think had 31, 3200 views on YouTube, and most of them, I mean, thousand, eight hundred, something like that. But it's it kind of the shock factor. They're like, what's going on? This guy's rapping. <laughs> what the hell is this? So it's cool. We just cut it's like an interesting way to get a whole a whole different brand I guess
0: so basically you've been running that so you can't really perform because, or can you? I don't really know you're in the part of the states where fucking shit's weird I don't know if you can perform or not throughout COVID um, but uh, how did you end up finding Bring the Bars?
1: Um, it was kind of the same way I'm, I mean I think it was after I made my first double album that Father Time passed the Present the present as like a more feel good good times Past is more kind of like back more aggressive kind of stupid stuff whatever but um I, I was promoting those two albums on uh on like just some different networking sites and stuff for artists and listeners and things of the sort and i ran into sean on there and this was i guess when he was first starting to bring the bars so we ran, we met talked to each other in there because most of the time people just spam links drop a link and fucking disappear they Click on it just to click on it, and then don't listen to shit on your music. And and me and I, I, I'm I'm not like that. I mean, if I'm gonna listen, I tell you I'm gonna listen to it. I'm gonna listen to the whole thing, and I'm gonna digest it a little bit. So I, don't, I mean, I don't know. There's a, a lot of disgenuine people just I mean, basically wanting you to do something for them, but nothing back. So me and Sean ran into each other that way, and like, hey, you, you, you're a lot. I'm like minded like me. Hey, you're working on music. You're you're grinding. You're trying to get your music out there. You're trying to do it right. So I'm like, okay, cool. And he's like, hey, well, I'm starting this. I got this group, uh, Bring the Bars. So, and then I went and joined it and checked it out. That's when J- JP, the Pompophilia, and we've done a couple songs together. He was on the first podcast. So I listened to him and then Siren Cerezi and one of the next ones. And, and then Mally Music, and all three of us have done collabs together now. And that guy, Mally, I was actually working up there in California on this pipeline job, uh, remediation thing. We were up there, and he was like, hey, are you in Fairfield? close to fairfield doesn't was in walnut creek i said yeah i'm in walnut creek he said it's 30 minutes away from me i said well i brought my studio equipment he said get a spot he says i'll get i get a um get a hotel over here and we'll record a few tracks on the spot so we ended up doing that
0: yeah um, is that the one that's working tomorrow. with jumping joe the rapper
1: yeah yeah Ma- yeah mally him and joe i think are doing a,
0: yeah. another album together yes yeah, that's such a small world um yeah
1: yeah, I did a song with Jumpin' Joe too he, he lives six hours from me we're gonna link up sometime
0: that's super cool Jumpin' Joe is just on the show so I'm like, I'm like I'm familiar with some of these names uh, oh yeah that's super cool I like Jumpin' Joe a lot and I like the fact that yeah, like cool yo shut up bring the bars like a lot of people on Facebook group line have attempted to pull off what Sean has pulled off like, this motherfucker has actually done it with his like vetting and deleting the old group and chastising everyone like a good mother does um it is what it is yeah um but nah honestly i just posted one time recently i'm like fuck that who wants to interview that was so easy i booked like six people i'm like this is fucking the simplest shit ever next time fucking okay who didn't i get from bring the bars that's what we're gonna do now but um that's dope man that you like ingratiated into that community and that you also commented on the power of um paying attention to the music you listen to believe it or not i met this dude chemo the key to more greatness that's his rap name chemo the key to more greatness all of that now in my life he unlocked more greatness and was a key so i'm like fair enough i don't know about everyone else but at least for a couple of moments in my life that's fact so i stand by your name for life (laughs) anyway um so this dude is in a fucking Facebook group one time because y'all fucking hate Facebook groups. Like, yes, if you dig through the fucking crates, you'll find Shans and fucking other people that are interesting. But like, I'd rather have somebody dig through the crates for me at this point personally because it's painful yeah. up in Facebook group land. Worst part it is is like you just see like 192 comments on a post. You're like, bro, nobody's looking at fucking anything here. Like, there's nothing. <laughs> you got
1: 100, 187 of them um, links and. Like two comments
0: on maybe one or two of them. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Um. Anyway, so Kimo's was like, "I bet nobody's gonna fucking click on this video." And li-. I'm like, "Motherfucker, you do not know who saw this post." So I clicked on his shit, and I fucking liked it, and I commented, and I fucking took a screenshot. And I'm like, "Fuck you," I did. <laughs> and then he got me booked at two opportunities during COVID, and I'm like, "Well, that's interesting." <laughs> go figure I listen to one guy's music and I got two performance opportunities at a time when everyone was complaining about not leaving the house and I'm like that's fucking wild
1: <laughs> for sure that's awesome
0: um, yeah there's a lot of power in it do you do you Facebook group a lot is it like what are your preferred online internet network I say it cause like I don't know man like how to play the internet game in 2021 is so fucking weird
1: it is, man. It changes all the time, too. That's especially with like Facebook changing the way they did everything. I think last October or whenever it was, they kind of switched up the thing to basically force you into trying to pay for promo and stuff like that.
0: That's an ongoing. Because, it's just every year it gets worse.
1: Yeah, it gets worse and worse because I mean I'll notice that like I know I know it's because like, my content's getting better, but I mean it's, it's like stuff goes out there and you uh, you just play it, but a lot of people sometimes so you know, one one thing you'll post it'll have nothing, you post the same thing different time two days later to have 60 likes or 60 reactions. And sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't, but it kind of definitely changes the reach. So I think as far as that, it's always like, it's kind of strategic, really. I mean, face. I use Facebook, Instagram, I use Snapchat, but mostly just for people that I know. And Mm -hmm. I I post a little. like if I perform, I post some things on there. If I got a new video or something, a new song, I'll I'll put something just for my everyday life. Like whenever I was working over there in the Bay, um, we went into this tunnel, had all this cool graffiti in it. I play my song or something, just kind of checking out the tunnel and put it on Snapchat Instagram. so you yet.
0: just described TikTok.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I started a TikTok maybe three months ago, but I've only used it a couple times. So like,
0: really... I'm like trying to be the worst rapper on TikTok. Let me put it to you like this. I fucking swear. I get an idea. It'll be like, I'll open my phone, I'll hit the fucking button, and it'll be some shit like yo the cat sitting in the chair staring at me i don't like when the cat's fucking staring at me i'm trying to work and the cat's fucking annoying and it's just that just some bullshit (laughs) i'm like trying to make it like so not lit i don't know how else to put it i'm like i'm not gonna try i try everywhere else in my life i'm gonna make the worst shit of my life on tiktok
2: (laughs) and i've gotten like (laughs) two
0: fans out of it but yo so i'm doing these acapellas and this next man just releases a video where he added fucking beats under me and I'm like get yeah. the fuck out of here that's a thing that people do so then man hits me up and goes bro send me a real acapella that you fucking spit and I'll make a real and I'm like off of doing bullshit tiktok raps with fucking seeb dread I'm like get the fuck out like, this is crazy <laughs> shit yeah me and seeb dread rap at each other sometimes
1: nice <laughs> What's going on? Me, me and Steve are
0: actually doing a song together and uh And yeah, that's sick. Yeah, you, know, you should jump on TikTok and like be like, "Yo!" And then you you tag them, right? So you go, "Yo, Steve yeah. Dre, we're doing a song right now. Got to tell the whatever, whatever." And then Steve yeah. will respond, and then I'll be like, "Yo, Kronos, what the fuck? Where?" <laughs> yeah. And then we create like a yeah, little ecosystem cool. of TikTok <laughs> people just rapping regular shit. <laughs> yeah, you
1: know that'd be cool, man. You know, and I've actually met a lot of seems like you guys are on a similar network um because i met willie through there he's played a lot of, yeah, some of my music on his twitch shows kicking it with willie live on fridays that's it he's played a lot of my albums on there man he's a cool dude and um we're doing i did a little quick eight bars for his cypher um that he's got coming up and me and too bad um i met him through the we do for we group and, and that's kind of how i came across Steve too between bring the bars and we, we do for we and so me and too bad are doing a song right now together too
0: yeah that's what it is um willie's the homie like we uh, we like met over kicking it live way back in the day and i liked what willie had to say about my music fucking everybody on his show hates my music and i accept it they don't hate it but like you can tell when you like they like yeah. some shit and they don't fuck with your songs it is what it is i'm not salty willie's show has a vibe and i fuck with Willie show's vibe but it's got me a hell of a lot of interviews <laughs> <laughs> i'll be like so we'll be there Willie will be playing the fucking song and then ismail will be there and ismail will be like when is this guy getting an interview and then i'm like well what what the fuck am i fuck what am i supposed to do now right like my fucking logo is <laughs> on his fucking show i can't be a dick because i start booking people and so far they've been fucking great none of them sucked so i just keep doing this method
2: <laughs> nice
1: <laughs> Whatever's clever, I mean, just random go into it. It's yeah, Kicking
0: it. it Live with Willie is a great um, place, honestly. Uh, yeah, it's know, a
1: cool show. That was we'll, we'll um, Too bad it's got that, that, that radio show um, in the 806. It's
0: cool. I have yet to check like, it one time. Sorry, Too Bad, if that's what it is. But it's partly because I go live six, seven days a week. Like, I'm fucking overbooked yeah. this week. I realized by accident I built out a schedule and blah, 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 and then shit like ismail linked me with this guy in south africa so now i'm doing some sunday morning interview in a couple of weeks so like you know it's just kind of like yo i mean imagine this but it's we're learning about south africa shit like tell me that wouldn't be fucking litty right like who else is not excited at the idea that that's going down i think the 11th i don't know this fucking next man wants to do his first twitch stream through my fucking channel so we're doing that on planet a day we're not nice. we're not that into canada these days um yeah <laughs> no but for real, that's some fucked up shit um but like uh you know it's just cool up op- yo would you fuck with twitch like why are you not on twitch you're a talker
1: i don't know man i, it's, I think it's a lot of it's just kind of making the time having the time because i've got a wife and uh, three kids and the fourth one on the way in between work i, I try to get as much in as i can and uh, network and get work
0: pretty fucking good answer for anyone that doesn't know, Twitch is time intensive. If you say words like kids and wives, and that's a real reason, you probably do not have time <laughs> for Twitch. No, like, yeah. if you don't have 25 hours, honestly, like, let's say, low, at, 25 hours a month to dedicate to it, you can't even keep monetization kind of things. You can't get monetized. So it's like, what's the fucking point? So, like, I'm putting in, like, 90 to 100 hours a month into this shit. Like, it's fucking ludicrous. Like, you really can't do that with children or your only doing this <laughs> you know like like you no, know not, it,
1: it'd be it'd be too hard for me and if uh
0: but music's faster off, <laughs> yeah but yo let's you put out a fuck ton of music like are you not worried and i'm asking this just out of sincere curiosity like your volume of just 2021 releases is, is 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 a lot which i fuck with personally for a lot of reasons so i'm curious to know why you're just throwing out all the music just making it bang it out it's like just like spitting it out why are you like into that version of this marketing plan?
1: Um, to me, to me, the biggest thing is kind of um, like, and more just a personal preference. Even, I mean, money <laughs> intertwined and set aside because I mean, I, I got my career and make make some money there. But so, kind of what I want to do is, and I've, I've been that way. Always hit the ground really fast, you know, I want to be, a, I want to see the progression. I want people to be able to actively see the progression with me, even if they miss some of it along the way. I like to basically boom, I'm, I'm gonna give you what I'm what's coming to my head, boom, 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 and what I'm learning each from each album. And I mean, I, I'm, I've kind of slowed down a little bit because I, I finally I went through that. I, I did two small EPs The did the time travel on 219. That's where this the significance that most people might not know about. I've I'm only told a few people, and I'm sure most people haven't figured it out, but there's time travel, which is the T and the T on the 19th. 19 is a big significant number to me as on my sports numbers it's been a lucky number if i hit on roulette my son was born on the 19th on, on uh, april 19th my first son so he uh, so 219 i put out time travel tt 319 i came out with another ep first one had nebs on it the second one had um, snowman from odd squad family sally cortez on the hook and then also had tiki man from the bring the bars group Jumpin joe from the bring the bars group and uh Syra and Sairi from the Bring the Bars Group. We're all on that, uh, all on that same EP on the Time Travel. And then Trials and Tribulation had some, basically had one collab from uh, from the Odd Squad Family. And then the rest collabs from Bring the Bars different people because I'm always trying to work and flex, like flex my mind to make sure I can kind of, basically, in a sense, keep up with these guys because I'm barely learning how to rap. <laughs> so fair enough. I did a song with with Otis Isaacs and, uh, and Bad Habit on that one. And then I did one by myself, basically, which is a song about like snowboarding and all our um, annual snowboarding trip I take with my family every year. And then we do, like, basically, and it's, it's an adult trip. It's me and my wife and brother-in-law and stuff. We all go and have a good time and <laughs> <laughs> party, drink schnapps on the mountain, snowboard, and j- jump some stuff, and everything in between. And did yeah. did that. Yeah. Then I um, did one with JP the Pump on there. So that that's trials and tribulation on a month later on 319, just five tracks, another five track EP. It's so, uh, a TT significance on the next month on the 19th, and then the next month was basically a year that I'd been rapping. I, I told myself um, that I would when I first started and I decided I was going to do re- going to start rapping for real. I wanted to say, okay, I want to learn and keep get practice by numbers and then just repetitive, just like wrestling, repetitive, boom, 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 boom. I said, in the first year, I'm going to complete more than 50 studio tracks. Everyone exclusive beats, professionally mixed and mastered. and I'm going to do it and put some time into it and try to get better throughout throughout the process. So the third one in that series I put out was the T3 anniversary album, which, okay, you got T2, TT, and then that's the third one. So I called it T3 along the way. And then anniversary because it was one one year anniversary to me rapping and also anniversary because my son's birthday is on that day as well called a t3 of the anniversary and t3 made me think, think of the terminator so I turned myself into a damn terminator on the cover <laughs> so yeah that's kind of how that one was kind of born and brought about you know kinda you did Volume, volume volume volume
0: it's just serious though like you're not even worried about that and i say that not to like be weird about it but like so many people i know are like bro Three minute song it's got to put up three tracks max attention span attention spans attention mm-hmm. spans so i wrote a hook called it's not attention spans they think you're boring <laughs> that's the more this motherfucking story um it,
1: it, it, it's the truth and um I, i've talked about that with a lot of people too especially like the older like older people that have around that that have made music for 10 15 20 years best example of my buddy trouble hook is that dude has some insane bars. I mean, he's real, real diverse, great, great musician, but he's one three sixteens that's had three sixteens every Jackson five, six minutes long. I said, and he's, he, and yeah, we've been talking about that today, kind of the way that the digital era has changed that, uh, I mean, the attention spans go, I mean, it's short because everything's at the touch of our fingertips. We can switch anytime and get anything we want any second. So now you see two twelves, and sometimes you see like one twelve 12 and a hook no,
0: or something and- i swear i went to do this track yesterday <clears throat> and it's like not really hip-hop so keep that in mind i mean i'm still gonna rap a little bit but like yo the first verse is an eight i'm like it's an eight and then i wrote the eight yeah. and i'm like that's it i like this is the yeah. easiest shit ever i don't care what anyone yeah. said an eight and then the next yeah. verse was like a fucking 12 or something i'm like what and then the chorus which doubled so it was like 4 times 2 I'm like yo honestly I can't really play anybody the track cause it doesn't it's one of the nicest shits I ever made it's just like so yeah. It's re- the re-listenability on it cause it's not like too much you have to be like a headhead to wanna go listen to bars bars and I'm not gonna yeah. lie I have to be in a mood to be a headhead. like I remember reviewing Black Thought and his fucking lyrical shit and like, trying to think about the bars. And I'm like, man, I'm never going to do this justice because I ain't never going to Google this shit. Yeah. It sounds yeah, amazing, really, but, like...
1: You got to dive into it, and you really got to dissect it because there's, there's so much that goes past the surface. You really have to be aware and, like, able to... Okay, am I wanting to take out a music to be able to sit there and analyze every second and every point, or do I want to enjoy the experience? So that's... I think, to me, it's about 60, 40.
0: But, like... Yeah. like but, like, there's a point where it's, like... I don't have the time at my age to put the effort in like I did when I'm, like, 20. When, like, that's all I fucking did. Like, at 20, yo, I'm just sitting there... I remember, like, being 22, 23, a bit, a bit older. Like, really getting into shit with YouTube open while at a call center at work with Wikipedia. Reading motherfuckers' Wikipedia stories and shit. Like, just reading, reading. Because what else are you fucking doing? Your own calls is boring. Um, And they didn't have good tracking software back then. So, like... It was like, yo, and I can't do that now. Now I'm at work and I have to work work. Like, I can barely fucking listen to music these days. And you start, like, just having that context, you know, where it's like, yo, it's not that I don't care about the depth of the magnitude of the art. It's that, honestly, a lot more of the time, I just don't have the energy to delve that deep into the philosophy if it's not more blatant
2: yeah
1: yeah So i get the same way especially uh, sometimes i half ass listen because i'm driving or something so i'm paying attention to the road and always i mean whatever's going on around me so i'm not able to sit there and hone in and digest every single word yeah i do like to hear some nice punchlines or a couple bars here and there and in a a dope beat like but if i'm just driving in the car that's why i don't mind listening to a lot of music i think i mean not the most in-depth or even uh, technical rapper I, I enjoy listening to kevin gates sometimes when i'm cruising mm. just in, i'm in a certain mood that I, I really like the vibe i like the that louisiana kind of southern style mixed with the beat and then some of the stuff i can relate to and some of it's catchy i mean it sounds sounds interesting it sounds different now. i mean whenever it first came out
0: i like that one four owls album that i had to review that was super lyrical but like still sounded amazing from like a song presence and stands out to me as one of the greatest albums i heard in 2020 i think um, yo, what's up? Bring the bars. Late to the fucking party. Oh, uh, we skipped the part where we praised you, but that happened. Don't you worry. Everybody should follow Bring the Bars for when they make the wise move and jump to fucking Twitch. That's I'm saying. Who's that, Sean? That is Sean. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm assuming Bring what's the up, Bars is Sean. I mean, it would be my assumption that that... Because it's like I go by behind that suit. Because, like, why the fuck would I go by holding on Twitch? Get the fuck out of here. Follow the brand <laughs> motherfuckers.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um... That's crazy. Like I'm just like sitting there considering like the volume you put out though and the fact that like you really just care about doing it, doing it. But at the same time I've interviewed a lot of people and there are no shots to a lot of people, but your story is just so alive with interesting shit, right? And so I think one of the things that people struggle with when it comes to volume writing Is the life experience angles to draw from? Like, bro, if you're willing to write about the last shit you saw, kind of thing, and the last shit you saw isn't boring, and you can find non boring things in your life, then your writing pool never ends. That's what I've come to learn. It's really about like keeping your life alive enough to like continually tap into it. And if you get to like travel all the time, man, you're basically living a lot. I would love to travel all the time, so you're living the dream. Like when you think about it, you're like, bro, traveling for fucking money? I did that once yeah. with a per diem, and the per diems are the greatest things that have ever been invented by people. I don't care when you All get right, when you get one.
1: For sure, yeah. I mean, that, that's um, it, it's one of the hard things, especially having kids and the, and the family and wife at home. Um, it's it's hard to travel and be away from them, and that that is some of the things I've done though. I work in because I've done environmental consultant and engineering for 11 years. I've got to go to Las Vegas, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, been all, all over California, been, been been in the Bay, been down in the Valley, been up north, been around Los Angeles, I mean, got to travel all, all over there, tra- I mean, travel different states, I've so probably been to eight or nine different states for work, and get paid, and get paid per diem, they pay for your flights, your rental cars, your hotel, and, and food, and everything else, I mean, it's, it's,
0: yeah, it's pretty blessed.
1: Nice. In that aspect, it's great, yeah, it's nice.
0: Yeah, I mean, get to see
1: some see some new things.
0: Yeah, you gotta come to Montreal. I mean, I know I know King Canada over there is saying come to Canada because he's not up in Liddy, Montreal, but trust, come to Montreal, we'll get King Canada to come down here.
1: <laughs> so So. So Montreal's better
0: than Ottawa, huh? Fuck yeah. There's not even a fucking comparison, my guy. We're talking 4 million people versus a town by comparison. We're talking like downtown Ottawa is like, bro, that's the Monkland Village. That's some shit up in NDG type shit. I've been to Ottawa. Ottawa's like, no offense to Ottawa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ottawa is good for like museums. Like if you want yeah. museums, my guy, go to Ottawa. If what you want like- everything
1: everything but museums
0: no this museums just i'm, okay, I'm so. giving ottawa its props it has better <laughs> museums <laughs> <It's> the, <laughs> oh ottawa's cleaner it is pretty incredible how being the nation's capital keeps your fucking city clean but yo montreal's lit um plus like you get access to uh, like a bunch of us because us we're in montreal and the city's huge and let's say you come in like x time like yo willie scandals is already getting into the promoting game again um partying's lit um we'll, we'll get you access to the good stuff we'll say which you can then legally consume on camera because it's legal in the place you'll be in as opposed oh, yeah. to um you know all the, i don't know if you can do that but we, whatever you want to you know we, like it's all here and food yes. like the food but, is is fucking that, ridiculous actually Food is pretty fucking lit I'm not gonna lie to you like it's there but yo I don't care what your vibe is it exists in the city in some capacity but like it's not it's like um, it's not quite New York City but like it's pretty fucking like If like Toronto you need a fucking guide for so if you don't have a guide don't go to Toronto Montreal you can get by just wandering around that would be my best way to put it I don't know fuck all about Vancouver it's it exists otherwise i don't know where else you'd want to go in canada like like maybe ottawa but like bro oh, I, I think the only place i try to go other
2: than that
1: then would be Whistler. just to go see what it's about
0: mm. also the okay like if you're into like indie wrestling though the maritimes is lit like if you're into yeah. indie wrestling there's a lot of other options um yo quebec's got indie wrestling too though Like straight up, there's a bunch of shit in Montreal. Like I'm telling you, whatever the fuck you're into, probably exists here, and I don't even know about it because I don't try that hard. But like, I don't know. Like the Greater Montreal area, which includes like the fucking everything, is four million people. Like New York City's eight million people, just to give context. Like geographically, we're smaller. I think we're more compact. But like at a population level, it's a fuck ton of people, of which twelve percent are English. So. Twelve percent in the areas I can guide you through speak the right language to communicate with you with ease.
1: <laughs> ah, there we go. Sounds good to me, man. So, how how big of a city is it? Like, um, is it like cover a lot of land? It just has real compact, like, like worse than New York City.
0: Um, I don't know. I've never been in New York City. I just looked at it on Google Maps, and it looked like it was more spread out. I don't know how compact it is, and then I don't know how real the both population numbers are. I just know what the stats say. I know that Montreal, but okay, fair warning. It's French as fuck, and they're assholes about it. And I'm real big on my language politics right now because I found out the government just fucking passed a law that makes it illegal to play English music in government facilities or on the government hold line because one person working at the government heard an American singer when they called the hold line. And I found out that that's a new... like That's the shit our government actually does, man. So, like, (laughs) yeah, now it's just illegal to have english music playing in public government facilities which means like you gotta think about that that could include like a hospital or some shit i don't know if it does i really don't don't quote me on that motherfuckers but like it really extends to like more and more places over time and then well once it's hit that it starts moving into the private sector a little bit because motherfuckers will copy the government a little bit and yo it's like this weird like assault on the english language based on some archaic norms that don't even make sense because the youth is all bilingual and shit because they're fucking want to make money and like yo it's like i mean it sounds like crazy but in the last year they've done shit like in the island of montreal which really is where the 12 percent of english is at um fucking made it illegal made it that medical care in a montreal hospital does not have to be provided in english
2: hmm.
0: montreal like come the fuck on we want the world to come yeah, here yeah
1: that's crazy so so if i if i were to go to the, the capital or to the hospital i couldn't play chronos on my phone
0: uh, i don't know about that i know they they can't you could probably play it um oh,
1: so, so the, the, the buildings themselves can't play it to the public
0: but that's like oh, a crazy okay. like start of something right and the thing is is oh, there's yeah. no government option that we can vote for that won't move forward with that agenda it's fucking whack actually like it's stuff that like we didn't think a lot about and not enough of us talk about it so lanson brought it up here and i'm like yo fair points with that being said if you need to go to the hospital homeboy we bilingual up in this bitch we got you <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm just hoping I don't have to end up in a hospital in Canada anytime, nah. especially if Yo, I go to Montreal,
0: I don't know. Oh yeah, you might want to look into travel insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's free for me. It's not free for you. <laughs> I was about
1: to say, if I get hurt, I'm going to go to Montreal. No, hey, it's... I came up here to visit you guys. I got to go to the hospital real quick and get surgery.
0: Yo, no, I think there's better places for that. Uh... <laughs> Nah, but if you came up here it'd just be lit. All I can say is don't don't necessarily come in the winter because nobody wants that snow. Like there's nothing trust, nobody's going out. We're all old now. No, we're all we hibernate for like six months. And then the other six months is fucking ridiculously awesome and is absolutely worth being here for. Like just being able to go to like the Tam Tams, like this mountain, it's not a mountain, it's a hill. But we call it a mountain because fuck that. And uh you go to this thing and everybody's just banging on drums and shit and it's like even when weed was illegal you could smoke weed there because everybody was smoking weed there so like it was just a vibe but you didn't have to smoke weed there it was just a vibe and like then you like fucking like it's a mountain so you, what's the hell so you can go explore it and climb and go through fucking forest and then you come across larpers Like, the guys with the fucking styrofoam fucking swords. Dude, I end up wearing gladiator gear running through fucking... (laughs) So, like, you get, like, that kind of shit in Montreal. And it's fucking lit like that. Yes, all four seasons are beautiful. Just the chat. Don't come in the winter unless you want to freeze.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'll have to bring all my snowboarding gear if I do come.
0: Uh, If you like that, it's probably lit, though, actually. You might want to come if you're into that world.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 I like going to Tahoe. We were there one time; and it snowed like 48 inches in like 36 hours. Fair it, enough. Was, it was a lot of fun. It, I, I'll say that I, I like it if I'm if I'm strapped to a piece of wood flying down a mountain drinking peppermint schnapps.
0: I respect that. That's a that's a fair time to enjoy the cold. I
1: if not I might not want to stand out inside and walk around and work in it every day.
0: Absolutely trash. Um, honestly, like for me, it was the. Tra- this winter with the work from home, and I didn't have to like go outside if it was fucking cold. It was the best winter of my life. So, shout out to work from home. <laughs> Made my life better.
1: Hey, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's been a great thing. That was the, probably the only good thing other than the stock market that came out of um, COVID. Mm. is was, uh, yeah, just being able to work from home. I've enjoyed that a lot more. Set up, take take my monitor and everything from work, and all my connectors and everything, and just work from the house. It's, it makes it a lot easier and less stressful
0: that's fresh so what comes next for you Mr. Um, Kronos
1: well next and yeah, continue got a baby in November as far as music coming next for me um, I'm actually working on a sequel to Time Travel um, which is the first of that series that, um, earlier this year in February I'm working on one now called World Travel and that's going to be the one that Steve Dread's going to be on, Too Bad's going to be on RAP from the beginning of the bars group from Canada is going to be on. And then I'm working on some collaborations in Ireland, the UK, three artists in Africa, one or two in the States. And it's going to be called world travel. I'm basically just wanting to branch out to that network right there.
0: Yeah. It's uh, mad tech mad Okay. And
1: yeah, just work, work with different, um, I love it. D- different artists, different cultures, different things. I mean, that's what I enjoy. I, you, you listen to my music. There's a collaboration on about 90% of it because I just love, making projects with other people uh, kind of making something cohesive out of two different brains and off of a beat
0: no for real like it's i love the way you're approaching it and i think it's super nifty because unlike a lot of people i talk to you're my age but you just started even myself i'm my age but i started like year, almost a decade back man so like my whole perception on this is not the same like, I'm, a, I'm a little more old man in this shit than i would like to admit i'm gonna be real with you but like yeah. you're coming at this with almost this like youthful perspective just due to the circumstances of having to come yeah. in like you 17 right now except with yeah, the means sure. to like bang on tracks proper and shit
1: yeah and i think that's one of the things that kind of just makes it a different experience from what i've seen um, and maybe even what's a little off-putting from the, the local regional scenes and stuff, of stuff everything that comes in between that's not favorable but yeah, i think having the means to financially to kind of help it and having the, the people around you that believe in you and kind of and so you get to network and they help out a lot and that's that's what i really loved about meeting too bad and steve and willie and those guys they're real it's a lot different mentality than a lot of people here in the states I mean, a lot of people say it's they only care about money
0: yeah, Working away, super nifty to hear you say that i would love to hear yeah, more of your perspectives really on people like that I mean, shout out them I see Too Bad putting in his work. I see Willie doing his thing. Yo, Willie does all this fucking great shit, like fucking music for miracles, Or he's fucking raising money for the community. Yo, like, Willie doesn't like to talk about this shit. That's fine. Whatever. Willie does a lot of great shit like that that people don't even know about because Willie's never going to talk about it except for that one time I peer pressured him on camera to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, No, but like it's super cool to see you reach out like that so internationally like i'm not gonna lie currently i'm very hyper focused on montreal on some like english politics shit um but i realized like i'm kind of denying myself the opportunity to like fucking work with people like such as yourself where like i have my bullshit mixtape series it's just supposed to be fun <laughs> you yeah. just, like no, that's it it's like fun to listen to I don't know, man. They take no time at all. The effort I put into writing these songs is I hear the beat. I think of the hook. I put the hook down. Does the hook suck? And suck is very loose in this term because we're not making studio here. Yo, mixtapes back in the day was like one take shit for real. they really free. You would have a radio freestyle, poorly compressed, comprised a track on, like, a fucking freestyle, on a mixtape sometimes. Like, right? Like, yo, I once caught one of these old Eminem mixtapes. It was got bullshit quality on it. So, like, quality wasn't the focus. It was about the energies and shit. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, I mean, you can rap it whatever the fuck you want, because it's not an album. Who the fuck cares? It's just songs that you just spitting shit on. So I'm running with this. I'm going to, like, legitimately i think tomorrow i'm gonna just start the next one on like some internal joke shit because of who the next beat maker is and whatever just like grab it bang out a little one in like 40 minutes or whatever and like just i don't know a couple weeks drop the next one a couple weeks later and then inevitably like expand it more and more but what's crazy is already somebody sent me a bunch of beats and said these are for your mixtape do yours and i'm like oh that's nifty (laughs) that's a good follow-up to the story and then somebody else is like we're gonna go to the cottage next mass is actually gonna mix it because you're trash and i'm like i am trash and uh and i'm like oh this is this is fucking weird <laughs> you know like i mean <laughs> like you know when you think about an idea and you're like maybe and then you're like whoa <laughs> knocked it out the park by accident on that one but it's like it's that's like that's to cool. me it's like you either like it or you don't and fuck it i'm gonna put out so many songs that like ideally if you go through them all you'll find like Twelve, you fuck with.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, that's, and that, that's that's my goal, anyways. With mine is especially too. I mean, by putting out mass volumes like that, I kind of want to show my diversity and my uh, my growth, my progression, things of the sort, just to kind of showcase. Okay, this is what I've been doing. Hey, I've been working. This is my proof. here hey, Let me turn it in for you. Here's my card. Blah blah blah. But because I mean, I've made stuff on reggae beats. I've made stuff on a reggae don't beat in Spanish, like Spanish English mix on a couple songs, and then. Uh, and yeah, just some kind of like West Coast stuff, some more aggressive East Coast beats, some trap type stuff, some dark um, Southern stuff. But yeah, you know, I mean, they take it okay. real quick and run to the restroom.
0: They just fucking—they're never gonna watch this. Facebook has like what a fucking video watch time of like six seconds, and then they fucking dip. And constantly oh, Facebook. video. Facebook's <laughs> trash. But uh, you know what? You know why I keep the Facebook? Cause there is like a small number of people who catch the live video on facebook and come hang out on the twitch after and i see it happen enough to know that it works just enough a little bit so i keep doing it that's me but like yeah so that's it that small percentage of people that it works on i'm like well those people might not have come on otherwise because twitch is not notifying them
1: <laughs> that's actually the first way that i watched willie's show because i that's how I found out about Twitch. So I, I never even heard of Twitch anyways. And then um, I, I was watching a Facebook Live and I went to Twitch.
0: <laughs> Twitch is more fun.
1: Well, I, I'm one of those people.
0: Um, but Willie over here wants to know, if Kronos could get in the ring with any hip-hop artist, who would you like to fight?
1: 50 Cent.
0: Ooh. that's a, Why? That's a, Now I want to know why.
1: Well... I, it's not, it's not even that I would want to beat him up. It's because I, I want to see him. I, want, I, I feel like he'd probably be a good match, like size wise. He seems like he's pretty strong and he's, he, he's petty as hell. So I, I'd like. I don't know. I just he, he's actually one of my favorite rappers as well. Get Rich or Die Trying is one of my favorite albums. But that's
2: a good I think album. just off the
1: top off the top of my head, probably that's what I think of. Just I guess because I always wondered, like you know, he seems like he can fight with where a lot of them probably don't.
0: Mm. So yeah, i do not. know. Yeah. Um, honestly, uh, have you had time to send them CDs yet? That's just from PMC and Network. Kronos, have you had time to send me them CDs? Oh
1: no, I haven't sent them yet. Um, yeah, I've been on the road with those shows, but I'll, I'll get them sent this week.
0: So the the subtlety there is, y'all can go buy some Kronos CDs, and he's shipping them international all across the world. And then this is where Braden the bars looks cool, and he's like, "Bro, check out all these CDs I got from all of my homeboys." And I'm like, "Fair enough." <laughs> and his little CD collection of people he knows is growing, and it's like, "That's what it is, right?" <laughs> Look at y'all doing it.
2: Go.
0: So I mean, that's <laughs> fucking blessed shit. He's got them ready to go. So if y'all want to cop that, y'all can hit up Chronos. His link's been popping around throughout the whole chat the whole time. They'll pop around in another little bit, other if you haven't seen them and in the future people if you stuck through this far you should cop that album is down below on the fucking um uh description of the video so all your links are plugged you don't have to worry about oh, that i
1: appreciate that man yeah you're more than welcome
0: to bro, it's yeah, t- send me a
1: message on facebook instagram whatever and i'm more than happy to ship them over to you guys i Yo, appreciate
0: it honestly i don't know i artists spend some like why people don't just automate the plugging process like bro did twitch has shit. It's going to be in the video after. I mean, I guess maybe. But even like YouTube and shit, you can pin the fucking comment with all the socials. <laughs> like, yeah. like, just to set it up. Then nobody has to go, okay, y'all can follow me at, at blah, 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 blah. Nobody's fu- like You know, like. <laughs> don't,
1: don't, no one listens. You might. Yeah, if there's 10 people listening, one person might pay attention quick enough to say, okay, this guy spelled his name K-R-O-N with a capital O-Z because at yeah. one time he liked his spunk i, mean,
0: I do not know That's the fair. Father of time, That's who fair. knows? Yo, Willie's saying if you send him a shirt, he'll wear it on kicking it live.
1: Yeah, I got you, man.
0: Um. So yeah, I'm not. Yeah, it's thirteen of y'all. So yeah, do y'all. Let me know if y'all have any other questions for him. I'm curious to know about your live experiences that you said you've had. Have you performed live throughout COVID? I forgot to ask you that question, or I had meant earlier have you been performing throughout the covid life because my restrictions were like curfews as in from december to like may there was an actual quite literal you can't go outside at night curfew level curfew (laughs) uh what was your like were you able to perform were you able to do different things
1: yeah um especially being being in texas um it's a little more laid back um as far as the regulations uh, not as much as florida but um we were I think we started up shows again. Um, I performed, I want to say a Juno last year at a couple of shows. Okay. But it wouldn't, um, it was not like full capacity and it had to be outdoors, but, um, they were still allowing it to happen like smaller venues. Um, it was a private place They say, Hey, have at it. So I performed at, um, rest in peace, Busta been high from over here in um, West Texas, they had a booster Fest. He had died, I think 2017, 2018. And then, so they had a, fe- they're having a festival for him every year, so. I got to perform over there with Trouble because, I mean, he's been performing 15, 20 years. He promotes, brings a lot of people down. He travels all over the country. He just got back from California work, doing some stuff over there for the music. And so he, I mean, I got to, he said, hey, hey you've been working in that song that me, him and Twisted Insane did, the computer screens. He said, you want to come on my set and then perform your verse that you did on, on that song? He did the hook and he did a, he did a badass verse on it to, to match Twisted's. It, it was, it was, it's a dope song i think between all three verses that was the fourth verse i ever wrote and that's how i kind of got onto my first show too he's, hey, you say you want to perform that verse um up there on stage with me for the festival so yeah and he's, he's like he's like and i'll take one of my songs out and he's like just pick a song you want to perform and perform one of your solo songs as well so like the crowd that comes to watch me they'll, they'll know you
2: yeah kinda, that's a little bit love. So I got to
1: perform there and had a good response, and then from there I got I performed I think in about eight or I think eight different cities.
0: Man, you fucking pop it off hard for a guy who's been in this game for so little time. Okay, it's because <laughs> of the whole rest of your career, everyone. Okay, like, I think there's maybe something to that though, like to starting late, you know, to like secure enough foundation.
1: A, yeah, I, I gotta. I mean, either either come with it or let it go. Basically, I mean.
0: man i have a relatively not probably as good as yours fiscally speaking but relatively decent career for like where i'm at in life it's not amazing i would like to do better i'm not doing that great with money let's be fucking real it's but good enough to create enough opportunities to create like a snowball effect that wouldn't have been possible had i not been in the position to not be doing so well (laughs) you know what i mean like (laughs) like like that's kind of like you know, like a blessing, but then you realize not everyone has that opportunity. And it's like, okay, so a lot of the things I might be flexing on are just privilege and I'm like or opportunity or things that have happened in my life that didn't happen to other people. Whereas like, you know, I don't know, it just makes me think about it. Like maybe there's a lot of power to build in that foundation and not rushing into shit and then just taking like fucking ten years to prepare your life to be able to just fucking blast the fuck off and do it and yo! shout out everyone with the question still so willie's asking what was the fastest he ever won a wrestling match my uncle won the gmaa heavyweight class with a fireman's carry 13 seconds and it's 2-1 lightning boo anyway <laughs> lightning. <laughs> um i think i think
1: probably about 17 seconds i was able to get a pin off of a double leg Especially, basically, first, first lock up, drop down for a double leg, run the pipe, and just luckily was able to stick it. But yeah, they, to be to be honest, um, most of my matches they didn't come quick, and a lot of more were by pin. Because I mean, I went against a lot of really technical guys. I just kind of neutralized it with my athleticism and aggressiveness. But um, yeah, I, I usually got a lot of points from getting the takedowns, taking the back, and uh, setting things up. But I had a hard time um, finishing a lot of pins. But
0: mm. every
1: now and again, I'd, I'd get to stick them down.
0: So. That's dope. Right. Um, the next question is from Lindell. Who is the go-to as far as martial arts and music? Which I believe you said Ritz. So other people that are not named Ritz.
1: As far as my music.
0: Yeah, your favorites.
1: Mm, I, I really enjoy. I mean, being from Texas and enjoying the whole that kind of area. I'm a huge um, Zero fan in which it's it's finding how music and MMA kind of connect because Zero's from Houston. And then the guy was telling you about Derek, the Black Beast Lewis, who's fighting for the UFC heavyweight title. He's actually in a a couple of um, Zero songs, referencing a song in one of his music videos. So it's kind of cool seeing those two worlds come together. One of my favorite musicians and fighter, I got to watch fight as an amateur all the way now to world champion type of thing. But yeah, I really like Zero. Uh, I like old little Wayne. Whenever I was younger, I listened to a lot of little Wayne. I, I do enjoy that. I listened to jelly rolls. One of my favorites recently. Uh, I love West coast, the exhibit, Nate dog. Uh, you maybe. know who Demerick is?
0: Maybe. That's a maybe.
1: Demerick and yeah, dizzy, right? But I got the, I know. Di- I yes. Laughing.
0: I do know. Yes. When you said dizzy, right? It clicked. I do. Yes.
1: Yeah. I got to, um, luckily a few years ago, I was working in the Bay and, I was, I was supposed to leave on a Wednesday. Fly back home from work, and then I. And they're two of my favorite rappers too. I mean, just depending on that, if I'm in that kind of vibe, that mood for the music.
0: And who are your? Uh, and who are your favorite martial artists?
1: Favorite martial artist. Uh, I guess in MMA, like I really like uh, Anderson Silva probably my favorite MMA fighter of all time. I kind of loved watching him, especially. In, in his prime, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed uh, watching Matt Hughes. Uh, w- w- one of my good buddies, um, Bubba McDaniels, was on the Ultimate Fighter as well. So I, I, he's still out there. He's like, I think, 36, 37. He's still doing his thing. He's got, he's from a small town in Wichita, Falls, Texas. So that's one of our buddies. So he, yeah, I'd say he's one of my favorite fighters, too.
0: That's fair. Shout
1: out. Uh, yeah, well, i was on that. Did that watch your step video and um he has a little cause right now it's a justice for walter thing uh, His uh his son was his son was murdered so by by, by someone they're still trying to get justice because the guy had a lot of money Jeez. so so that's why i kind of like to plug that in every now and again too and just to bring some awareness to
0: him uh fair enough i appreciate that willie's like i love the sports talk and i have questions before your question i'm not as thrilled with the sports talk i'm rolling with the sports talk this is me sportsing <laughs> Oh. <laughs> i know what a george st pierre is because he's in montreal and he trains at my like like it's like my k like my aunt's kid's uncle like not really my own you know like uncle and somebody whatever that guy trains with george st pierre at the gym so like i know that he exists nice. um yeah
1: man that, that dude's a hell of a wrestler and great athlete man yeah tristar was...
0: that's the gym that he trains okay at. yeah um, yeah, there's
1: another guy that fought for this organization called Legacy. It's a feeder league, like regional professional fight league. And the guy that's the matchmaker for the UFC now, we had dinner with him at Hooters with my um, old sponsor that sponsored me. I lived with him for a while. My buddy Scott, Scott Barker, and we uh, He knew this guy, and that's how we met all these people like Derek Lewis. And uh, but there's a guy named Sage Northcutt. He is like a younger kid, and he's from Houston as well. He went mm. and trained up there with, here recently. I think like a year ago but at Dry Star, a year or two.
0: It's fresh. TriStar was like right next to where I was day jobbing for a very long time. So I always thought it was like seriously weird that I would just be like passing by this like super noteworthy place in the world of MMA. It's just so fucking low key that you wouldn't know it exists. I'm assuming it oh, yeah. exists. Um It's
1: same, same way with Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's where um, Jackson's gym is. Jackson and Winkeljohn, where they have, they have John Jones. and They've had all sorts of great fighters come out of that little place.
0: Um, the next question is from Ismail. Are you thinking of selling vinyls for, of your music in the future?
1: Um, yes, I, I would like to um, get some vinyls there a little bit. It's a little more um, expensive to kind of put together and everything. So I'm wanting to kind of just build a, a legit, um, legit following people that really, I guess, appreciate that. Because, I mean, it's yeah, as, far niche, as far as monetizing, it? it's, it, it's hard to make money off of vinyls because they're expensive.
0: Like, yeah like, the, like i know the per unit price is like 50 dollars and some bullshit but like man for like every 100 people that'll buy a cd one will buy a vinyl is the real facts of out economics like you'll get somebody to buy four fucking cds before they'll buy one vinyl on the fucking real um uh next question is also from ismail bro you're getting questions man people don't always ask questions <laughs> it's like to this level is what i'm trying to say um, I, I like
1: to interact with everyone else, so keep them coming for real.
0: Uh, the African artists you are collaborating with are from which countries?
1: Um, one of them, one of them for sure is from Kenya. I don't want to. I'd have to definitely look up and see because I, I don't want to mess up someone's providence or right. the little, little cities and countries. I don't want to.
0: I still bless
1: It's respect like that, so I don't want to. I don't want to completely guess. The other one says, uh, "Big Ben, uh, Big Ben, uh, Swaziland, Swaziland." might
0: be mm. in that no it's not even that bad uh i don't uh not that i'm the authority on how to say that correct <laughs> that's fresh <laughs> deals man yo you're getting me excited at the idea of networking across borders um you believe it or not the next question comes from lance on the good mc cats or dogs dogs straight up that's my kind of guy right there um then uh did he know Anderson Sylvia was trained by Steven Seagal?
1: Oh, yeah. I, see, um, I think uh, he trained with him before whenever he got that front snap kick and, and knocked him out, I think, maybe seven, eight years ago. I remember um, him highlighting that, saying he had trained with him before that fight and trained with him in the past. So. All
0: right. Fair enough. That doesn't mean a lot to me, but I appreciate you answering the questions. Still, I know I'm not the best at questions. I don't connect with the answers. Uh, no, no worries, man. So from the King of Canada. Who, King Canada. I'm not going to go with King of Canada. King Canada. I'm like, wait a King second. I'm not putting that dude above me on this shit. Fuck. King Canada. That's a different thing. <laughs> I know Karnas has seen a lot of live shows. Who was the most disappointing show you went to see? And then who was the it. best show? Who did you Hops, say?
1: Hobson's, Hobson's the oh, most disappointed show. He's one
2: day. of my least favorites.
0: Please do tell.
2: <laughs> <coughs>
1: yeah, because I I listened to Funk Volume a lot because, like I said, I was a big Dizzy Wright fan and I, I also like Hobson too. And then I I, I listened. To, I had a period where I listened to his music a lot and then I went and seen him live. It was him, him Jared Benton, and Dizzy Wright, and it was very overwhelming. Just I don't know. It wasn't. That's I amazing. Just wouldn't, wasn't that great, no. Uh, my overall live show, yeah, hip hop aside, just favorite show. Huh. Probably Disturbed.
0: I saw Disturbed.
1: Yeah, Disturbed, I seen him in, um, in Dallas at the- Which is it? Where... Um, two years ago, I think it was. I've mean, got the-
0: Oh, new Disturbed.
1: Little flag and stuff out there, too, in my man cave, and just had to get it hung up back up since we moved not remember which one it was it was
0: like a like a black and a turquoise green oh yeah so definitely we're gonna answer it but yo disturbed is sick man he fucking comes out on this fucking <laughs> tied up on this shit and he's just like fucking like like an asylum patient and then they fucking rip it yo the band that opened for them was skindred absolutely outperformed disturbed stole all the crowd energy it was fucking late but yo seeing hey. disturbed Yo, then they did the whole show, and then the show ended. I'm like, "Where's Down with the Sickness?" They didn't play Down with the Sickness, <laughs> and then you just hear this crazy drum solo, and you're just all hopeful the whole time. Like, please, <laughs> please do it. And then it's, then it just flows into that familiar drum pattern, and you're like, "Oh my God, it's happening!" And it's just the loudest. You have to see yeah, this on live at least once in your life. Like, it's not, you, just, you can't exist without it one time. You know.
1: It's as it he gives you little goosebumps. The one we're at was pretty cool because they came out there. Rolled out the piano right in the middle, and uh, was had the piano, and then they had stuff. I mean, we're at the basketball arena, so it's pretty high. They're, they're dropping from the ceiling on, on fire, like oh, flames like coming, falling from the ceiling, and then there's like lit, like little flames all around the whole like giant stage they got there is really kind of surreal feeling. It was pretty neat. And also, I think Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson was a, a close second. That was a pretty pretty intense show.
0: Mm. I feel like at this time I'd fuck with Rob Zombie a lot. Rob Zombie's underrated as fuck, um, for real.
1: <laughs> His shows are crazy. His shows are crazy as hell.
0: Uh, so now you have to say your best hip hop show because what I appreciate disturbed is an answer. The people want to know.
1: I don't know. It, it, it just all depends on the. I guess the the timing because I mean I've seen some really. Seen so many of them, they're great ones. Like, Bone Thugs is my all time favorite group, and I've seen them a handful of times, but still good. I mean, they were good, but I, I really enjoyed it, but I couldn't say it's my favorite. I think probably, probably my favorite show would probably be Tech Nine, and um, then the whole, the whole show as a whole, and it was at a small venue. And I, was, I was really into it at the time. It was at Tech Nine, and Chris performed, Rich was there, Seth's crew, Mayday, Stevie Stone. That, that was a really good show and then, but Tech 9 and, and Chris Calico at the gathering was pretty pretty awesome too um,
0: Tech 9 was been the bar's favorite one as well uh, other questions are or questions cuz i guess people like or questions Tech 9 or Master Ace from Willie Scandals Tech 9 easy answer for me too absolutely uh, Ismail brings up a much harder one. Rakim or Big Daddy Kane? Oh,
1: um, Rakim.
0: Yeah, I'm much... Mm, but Big Daddy Kane is the best shitty love songs of all time, right? Like,
1: <laughs> I'm not afraid. <laughs> Oof.
0: <laughs> nah, I'm going to have to give that to Big Daddy Kane just because that... And I know that's not the reasons y'all want, but they're the reasons. Um,. Yeah. so then yo seriously the questions just keep fucking coming uh Lindell besides putting all your effort into making albums the next thing we be putting all your effort into shows you end up with Hobson oh that's a suggestion Hobson answers like that he's saying you gotta work on your show game but he's, he's not a senior performer do you practice your show game do you get like like a room and run through your sets and all that shit
1: um I, I do but yeah I definitely need to I definitely have a lot to, um, lot to improve on I feel like but I'm, I'm I've heard good, good and bad things about different different ports, and I feel like it is just like my music. I feel like it's getting better, and but there's a lot, a lot I have to improve on and learn each show. And so that's that's definitely something I want to focus on. But yeah, same thing goes back with the, the four kids and full time job and wife and everything and family. It's it's hard to to put as much energy into it as I can, as, as I need to to be a perfectionist to actually like like rock rock a crowd of a hundred thousand people. I definitely have to step my game up.
0: Yeah, you know, I absolutely understand what you're saying, man. Um because like frankly, like it's it's hard to do as much as I want to do. I have way more ideas than I have time to like deliver on those ideas. Even like practice. You're practicing my music is like fuck me. I have to go memorize my own songs. Apparently, you have the Chronos slide.
1: <clears throat> oh, that must be JP.
0: <laughs> uh, that was uh Mr. LeMay over there.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I seen you know, uh JP the Pompousium comment because I performed this this um sports bar over in uh, in Lubbock this weekend. I did that song rolling around. And I slid across the stage. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. So yeah, I don't know how much more I can stretch this my like fucking body is killing me on this fell off my bike shit that's the real truth of this shit i gotta stand the fuck up and walk around a bit but yo i appreciate all of you watching this i appreciate you coming through i look forward to seeing your new music all your growth like your whole fucking energy to life is ridiculously amazing honestly that's the right word for it I appreciate you this conversation you're sharing as much you just rolled with it in the perfect way and made this fucking easy for me so i really i like that it just made my life easier <laughs> thank you all hey, for i fucking appreciate it too um, man
1: i had a good time
0: thank, that's good to hear man and thank y'all for watching because y'all stuck through it that's truly dope for yep. all of you for hours thank you guys that's always humbling thank y'all in the future watching this because y'all are also also good um Y'all be able to cop that shirt soon is what I understand, because somebody's going to be buying or selling that shit somewhere. Um, but, yeah, special thanks. Tampa
1: Bay or 4th of July, people. Tampa yeah. Bay or 4th of
0: July, I say it. Tampa Bay, people. They're going to want that shit. Special <laughs> thanks to the Patreons. Ismail is Gadam, Secret Chris Paller, Jonathan Brown, Z.J. E. Black, Eric, and Linda Williams. Scroll build up, support what we do. If you want to support what we do and you're on uh, Twitch with the free Amazon Prime, you, you can always do that. little we'll subscribes subscribe, Zipu. And if, if otherwise, patreon.com slash behind that suit um with that it's super fun it was great to have y'all i'm gonna start the raid live long and prosper everyone and oh